Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by Coors Light. Go from full-time to game-time. Coors Light, made to chill. Make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Blake Murphy, Alex Wong. Uh, Raptors last night took care of business against the Detroit Pistons. Raptors are back, baby. Oh, they stood on business, man. Um, They they did. People might have seen me on the uh, official Raptors account. They do a little fan thing after the game. And I didn't know these clips were going to be used, but, you know, my my friends, Chris and Adam, recorded me getting hyped to the game. And, uh, yeah, it made it. So Yeah, it was the most fake Alex Wong reaction I've ever seen. Alec Burks, don't you, don't you wish you joined the the Raps? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't hitting the same. Blake, how, how did it the wasn't. game yesterday hit for you? It's fun. I like games like that where pretty much everyone has a good game. Um, you know, anyone who was going through it a little bit probably feels a little bit better about themselves and their game heading into what would be a, a pretty tough back-to-back here with two teams that are playing really well in Orlando and Indiana. Um, so, yeah, I think you need those get-right games every once in a while and, and you know it's uh adam sandler in the longest yard right it's like yeah we, we mm. would tune up against appalachian state and run up the score so everyone mm. feels really confident I like that before uh you know and, and i've said this before on air but that was like when i would play when i played hockey you'd go to flamborough and you'd beat up the flamborough flames everyone mm. gets their points up no everyone, way, gets, everyone I, gets i need that numbers. jersey as well yeah flamborough <laughs> can, we, flame. can we work on that i gotta work on a cambridge hawks blake murphy jersey for you too i um, like i like that man um, um but yeah, it's uh, it's good. I think you need these games once in a while, and like, it's also important that you don't play down to the level of your competition. Of course, if you're going to be a team, if you're going to be a 500-ish team, and you're going to play up to the level of your competition, you can't play down to the level because you're not going to finish 500 if you do that. So I, I thought it was nice to see them just kind of take care of business to be on the other side of like they had gone six of their last seven being down 16 points or more in the first half. Yeah, it was Whoa. just really nice to be on the other side of that. Damn, yeah. yeah, a lot of great numbers. Obviously, I want to dive into that. With you guys, I know you got this in here, Blake. You know, the 44 assists was a franchise record. First of all, this was against the Pistons, which we'll talk about a little later. Um, it's a tough situation over there. Shouts to Dwayne and uh, Monty Williams. Um, 142 points was the third most ever. Seven players scored double figures. Eight players hit a three. Wow, is that a franchise record? Um, 60 points from the bench. What stood out? What stood out, Will? You know, watching this blowout, like what are you taking away from all those numbers? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, it's really impressive to see 44 assists. Like, in any context, it really is. Um, the Raptors ran their typical sets, but I think Detroit's defense, especially watching back, because I, I really just went back and watched all 44 assists. And my takeaway was just like, man, the Pistons just have no idea how to, like, really play defense. Yeah. Or, it's not even, it's like situational awareness. It's like, okay, Pascal, situation. like... Situation. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were rising in this case. But um, you had, like, Pascal, like, cutting out of the lane and that was like fully pulling his defender over with them as if he was Steph or something yeah. and then all of a sudden the lane is now wide open for Yak to roll to the basket like that happened like six or seven times in this game mm. the point where I'm like okay at a certain point you guys got to realize like okay maybe yes I'm supposed to follow my defender but if I linger a little bit longer maybe I sort of deter somebody from coming into the paint mm. um, the Pistons just didn't have that kind of awareness but I think overall like the Raptors definitely played a team game um, ran their schemes really well shot the ball well too which is obviously really nice I thought to me, the, the standout was Scotty Barnes. He got the first star for me. Um, I know Jakob got the chain after the game. Jakob played really well, too. He got second star for me. But um, I thought Scotty really got them going uh, early. Him with the bench lineup was mm. really, really cooking. Um, you know, uh, Sam, 
who was it? No, Stanley. Stanley Umude, who I th- who I thought was actually decent. What? Yeah, he was. He yeah, was a nice game. Yeah, he nice attacks game, yeah. closeouts really well. He he yeah. was one of only like two guys actually trying on defense. Right, uh, and Asar Thompson, who actually honestly, I was really, I was actually really impressed with Asar Thompson watching Gary try to like get open against him. Watching mm. Pascal try to post him up. Yeah. That's a strong kid, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're a big Asar Thompson. Yeah, player. I mean, I, I like both. They're both like 100th percentile athletes. Yes, the, the Thompson sure. twins. Asar looks, um, and, you know, maybe this is just the case of being on a worse team, so there's more opportunity. He looks a little further ahead than Amen right mm-hmm. now. But, um, yeah, I mean, he he turned the ball over a whole bunch of times in that game and fouled out. But I thought the defense and rebounding, like, he he's the guy on that team that pops. Yeah, uh, it was funny watching Gary try to attack him in the first quarter, I think, because it was probably Gary's first time pl- ever playing against him. Um, and, you know, Gary would come off a screen, and he'd be there. And then, you know, um, Asar would help off, and Gary would have an open three, and the closeout, he'd be right there. And then the pump fake sidestep, Asar would also be right there. Like, he was just <laughs> there the whole yeah. time. So I was really impressed by the rookie, too. But, yeah, I, I thought Scotty really got them going. Uh, I love seeing him, you know, um, take those threes, too. He I mean, what three threes last night as well. Yeah. Very confident um, in taking those threes. And I think that just put the whole Raptors team in a mode where it's like, okay, we're going to be up double digits for the next 36 minutes. Like, that's what it was. And it was Scotty who gave them that first lead. So, yeah, he was excellent for me. What, what started to you for you uh, from last night's game, Blake? Yeah, I mean, Scotty's the headline item. Certainly the, like, obviously you shoot 7 of 11 and you knock down your threes. But for me, the playmaking was just unbelievable, especially we, he's always been a really good transition passer. But the creativity and, like, kind of adding in new tweaks of like, hey, I'm going to look a guy off and make the feed or I'm going to take this transition pass and give it right back. There were a couple times he could, like he should have had double-digit assists, but he had a bunch of those pass to a guy who's then going to the free throw line. Um, so, you know, you don't get credit for an assist for those, but they really help the offense. Um, so I thought that was great, and I'm with you. I thought this was Jakob's best game of the season, yep. which, you know, is maybe damning with faint praise, and it is the Pistons where you're playing against, um, you know, Beef Stew and James Wiseman, who, uh, man, I know James Wiseman shot well yesterday. I don't know that he's getting a second contract in the league. Listen, he, he knows, he knows how to speak Mandarin, so... Yeah. Well, he'll he'll need it real soon, I he'll think. Oh, Get Adam Silver um, back on the line. Yeah. And then, I, yeah, I guess the other thing is, like, kind of what I said is just, like, everyone got a, a little bit to eat in this game. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. everyone can kind nice. of feel good. Um, you know, OG didn't shoot well, but he was good defensively, and who yeah. cares? Like, you got to play 27 minutes against the Pistons to get your wind back yeah. mm-hmm. after missing a couple games. Um yeah, I mean, it, you look at everyone who played and like, okay, Ron Harper Jr.'s four minutes at the end, he didn't really touch the ball at all. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe you look at Grady's game and you're like, shoot, I wish he had, you know, knocked down another shot or two just to see it go in. Um, but otherwise, like everyone else played well, had good moments. Um, I, I, lo- I just, I love what Boucher has been bringing of mm-hmm. late. Yeah, he's that great. consistent energy off the bench, mm-hmm. the the extra effort of you make the wild closeout and miss and then still reach back and block the guy anyway when you're mm-hmm. behind him and borderline out of bounds. Um, he, he's been good. There were, there were just a ton of little positives in this one. I think the, the 44 assists that similar to when we've talked about, well, the passing numbers are high, the assist rate is high, but the offense still isn't very good. It, to me, is still a good indicator of, like, is there buy-in? Are, are guys trying to move the ball and make mm-hmm. the next pass and things like that? And this was also a night. It's not like they shot the heck out of the ball. They shot a, a pedestrian, like, 39% on threes. That's really good for them, but you don't really blink at that when you see it in a box score. Yeah. Um, so 44 assists on a night where you weren't even on fire is, is really good. Like, that could have been, like, with between free throws and some missed open threes, like, that could have easily been 50 assists. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, go ahead. It was one of those situations where the Raptors can get into the paint all they want. Like, they situation. had 70 points. Sorry. They had 70 <laughs> points in the paint. They had 27. 70? 
That's 70 points. P-I-T-P? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what you know about me. Yeah, yeah. man. They had 70 <laughs> points uh, in the paint. They had 27 on the fast break, which obviously leads to a lot to uh, the points in the paint step. But, yeah, I mean, it was like Dennis and Yak working the pick and roll, you know, connected a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Pascal was living around the basket, and he missed a couple of layoffs, but he still finished with an efficient game. Scotty was getting to the rim relentlessly. Precious, I thought, honestly, that was one of Precious's best games, too. You know what? I, honestly, I, I wish we played the Pistons more often. But Precious had a good weekend. <laughs> I thought he was good on Friday, too. He was good on Friday, too. Um, we'll talk about after the After the first half. Yes. After the first. Second half, Precious was really good um, against Celtics, and then overall was just really good against uh, <laughs> You had three quarters of a good weekend. But basically, everybody just kept getting to the basket against the Pistons. So it felt like, honestly... If you couldn't get a bucket against the Pistons, like you needed to get sent down to the G League, it, it really did feel like I'm not trying to be disparaging. I just mean like it was no, one of those games where everybody no, had it there for them. Yeah, and I think you guys mentioned the return of OGN and OB. You know, you two are you know two of the most plugged in people you know with the Raptors, and I know, know OG has been you know real coy about how this injury come up come about. So what what do we know publicly? Did they we say know nothing doing... publicly. We know that it was they a finger even... laceration doing chores. Okay, they so they did say the chores part is, yes. is public. So, yeah. um, any uh, any sources, any sourcing on this, my brothers? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to out my guy. Oh, okay, on the just tell me. Okay, chores. just tell me off air then. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Tell me um, off air. Yeah. He's obviously playing into are. <laughs> playing into the bit um, by not revealing okay. any, any extra information, but yeah. the information's out there. So the, is the like, takeaway to not do chores, you think? Like, no, is I, that think the chores, I think chores is a poor categorization of what he was doing. Oh, okay. Household okay. tasks, but not like chores to me is like something you do every week. It's, it's a regular occurrence. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he, he cut his finger sweeping or something like or vacuuming. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 It was not. Okay. This was a that, specific yeah. thing that happened. That's all I'll say. You know, Okay. I think my takeaway from this situation is um, situation. <laughs> every time I say situation, it's gonna, this guy's gonna. You know what? Just Derek, make that into a drop. So no, Derek, let me do this live. Uh, <laughs> my, my my takeaway is just like you gotta the 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 less you give, the more you maintain this air of mystique. The oh, it is. okay. This is such a mundane thing that happened. He cut his finger and he had to miss a week. Yeah. Uh, but it's become this whole thing because he just refuses to say anything about it. And that's the overall yeah. OG thing. No, no disrespect to like, like if Chris Boucher cut his finger, it's just a regular injury. We yeah, keep it like moving. We'll get back. No, right, we cool. keep it moving. Okay, right? With OG, it's like we got to launch an investigation yeah. here. Yeah. And Chris is probably telling us what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that part of it too. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm glad to have OG back because I felt like Missed his presence in a lot of games last week, especially the one on Friday. You want to go ahead? No, I just, yeah. I have, uh, while we're doing the stats and stuff in yeah, this yeah, game, yeah. I have a, an update for you on a question you had asked earlier in the season. Yes. When we did... Uh, corner threes? Corner threes? Where are we at, bro? 12 different Raptors have hit one now. Did, oh. how, how many got on the board yesterday? Did, um, did a few get on the board A or couple no? guys hit... Okay. No, it was only guys who were already on the board yesterday. Boucher hit two, Scotty hit one. Nice. And uh, I forget who else... But Jalen hit one recently. I don't so believe that. He but he got yeah, on sure. the board. Yeah. Um, Garrett Temple had a garbage time one not mm. that long ago. And shout right. to Garrett Temple. And, and Precious hit one nice. on Friday. So nice. who's still so who's still uh, you know got the goose egg? Uh, who are we still waiting for? Anybody? Yock. <laughs> okay. okay. Yock not hit one. We gotta wait on that one. Um, that goose might be male. <laughs> Thad has not hit one. Okay. Okay, we gotta wait on that right. too. Yeah. Uh, no, but that could hit one. That, the, that no, but, but he's not playing much. The three yeah. two-ways and Christian Coloco. That's okay, it. so most of the guys are on the yeah. board. Huh. Okay, we're All good right. now. Okay, we're good. Yeah, I didn't. We we had kind of kicked around. Would eleven guys get there? Would ten guys get yeah, there? Yeah, Twelve but, guys but get there? there? But everyone there. except for Pirtle, who like pl- actually plays, 
has now hit one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Darko, the next time you find yourself in a 40-point game, please run a play <laughs> for Yak in the corner. I beg. <laughs> just got a hammer screen. Just do something. Just Will, Will will the corner. fall to his knees if Yak. <laughs> I've already fallen twice <laughs> to my knees in the last 12 hours. It's man. a three, man. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Are we tracking the chain that they're giving out as well? I lost. I lost. You, track. you haven't been trying. Yeah. Has there's Pascal gone that many wins? There's, they've had six wins on the season. They That's a lot. Five man. Times. Six yeah. more than I thought. Um, also, like, so Chris um, Boucher got it. Yeah. After they uh, one of the games last week. Yeah. Um, and then that was it. Was a turnaround in the Wizards game. He got it after that, and he should have. He really did do a great job defensively in that game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, and then after yesterday's game it was Jakob. Right. And I thought Jakob honestly like. The, the the rim protection that he that he delivered, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he finished all six of his layups, you know, some high low passes. Again, it was a game that was kind of really like structured around what Jakob should be able to do, but he did a really good job of it. Uh, and, and it kind of highlighted like all the piston centers like really struggled to do what mm-hmm. Jakob did in that game in terms yeah. of like playing the gaps right and being good defensively. And look, 16, 10, and four with three blocks is not like a crazy stat line, but it's all yeah. they need from him, right? Like I, it was just good to see a good hands game from him where, you know, he was catching all of those pocket passes, whether they were kind of the tight ones in at his hip or, or the ones over the top where you kind of all in one swoop have to catch and release it. Um, and then, yeah, defensively, you know, anytime you get a vertical contest where you're getting a piece of the ball and you're not getting a foul, like yeah. that's a, a big that's a plus for your defense, right? Like that means someone got there and you were able to turn it away. And we've talked about the Raptors have done an okay job keeping people away from the rim, but it's been a layup line once they get there. So that was that was good to see. Yeah, I was watching a assistant coach Pat Delaney go on oh. Raptors tonight. Oh, okay. After the game, which a program You're, that you've been on. I've been on it. And Pat Delaney's your close friend. You guys spoke at a <laughs> yeah, summer league. Sure, we're close friends. Situation. Uh, and Pat Delaney was describing Jakob's role, and he's, he gave an interesting analogy. He said, mm. Jakob is like an offensive lineman. Oh, okay. You love your football references. So, yeah, tell me well, about this. Well, this is the, uh, the other kind of football that I actually don't even like in this yeah. case. But he was, that's essentially what Yak is there to do, create the space so that other people can score, yeah, whether that's like, like the that. running back getting through a gap or okay. keeping the pocket uh, you know, intact so that you know, the quarterback yeah, yeah. can uh, throw their pass. Like, okay. That's what he was comparing him to. And I actually thought it was a nice analogy. And then I looked up the hustle stats. You know who led the team in screen assists last night? Yeah, Pertle, the offensive lineman. Damn, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven. Seven screen assists for Yaku. We need a new nickname for him, man. I mean, I kind of like the Austrian hammer yeah, when, when Strizzy does it. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't dunk enough for the Austrian hammer. It's like an Austrian, like, this is how he gets the corner three, the Austrian hammer play. And they, <laughs> oh, we, we got to take the different Yo, meaning. Can we, actually ask Darko, playbook, can we actually ask Darko next time you guys talk to him, like, Yo, run that one play, man. Like the next time it's not in a yeah. in a large scrum yeah, setting. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Pull him aside a yeah. little bit. Be yeah. like, yo, run that Austrian hammer. Since we had him on the show, I think I've only talked to him in like the big scrum scenario. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So there was that one famous scrum where you guys just interviewed him yourselves. Yeah. Um. Anyways, you know, it's great. It's great. The chain is great. The post game chain, I think, is a great uh, you know, conversation whenever we need a conversation. And the other thing that's great is the in season tournament, the IST. Um, great for conversations. So I want to go back. Let's go back. Talk a little bit about Friday's game too, against yeah. against an actual real NBA team. Um, yeah, you know the the Raptors made a nice comeback there. Um, wasn't able to pull it out at the end. I think well, one of the big storylines coming out was just kind of you know Darko's management of the game in terms of Pascal. You know, sitting with three fouls there in the second quarter. Did he sit the whole mm-hmm. second quarter? The okay, second quarter. They lost like yeah, what thirty nine to fourteen in that quarter. I want to say yeah, he ended up only playing twenty nine minutes, and yeah. they won those minutes by seventeen. Yeah, I, that, they lost the nineteen minutes he sat by twenty. 
Yeah, I was shocked looking at that um, plus minus. Um, and then obviously Scotty, I think he was trying to give Scotty a quick uh, rest late in the fourth there and then wasn't able to get, get him back in the game uh, for a little bit. So, um, yeah, Blake, you know, what'd you make of those two decisions there? Yeah, so the, the foul one is interesting because, first of all, Pascal had picked up his second foul and then Darko was intending to get him out of the game, had someone at the table ready to check in for him, and Pascal picked up his third before they could get him out of the game. Mm, so, okay. you know, they were intending to get him out. Obviously, you could have done it right after the second foul, but the, the light bulb went on. They were trying to get him out. Now, I think league-wide, coaches are too conservative with foul trouble, Pascal averages one foul every about 13 minutes. So even if you have three fouls in the first quarter, on average, he still wouldn't foul out by the end of the game. Now you can't play it that way because it's too, it swings too much. Um, if you, but I would have, when they were really floundering in the second quarter, I would have brought him back in because if you, there was a point there where it felt like if you don't bring Pascal back in to settle this, there's going to be no second half for him to play in anyway. Like it won't be yeah. mm-hmm. a competitive game. They got down 16 again. Um, but that one I can understand a little bit more. The Scotty Barnes one at the end of the game I think was more of a – and Darko's not a rookie, but we'll call it a rookie mistake, say. And I, I pressed him on it after the game. Yeah. Um, Joe Cash had asked him, you know, what was the thinking there, and it was exactly what I had tweeted out. The idea was, well, with four minutes and change left in the game, there are usually at least two timeouts between then and the three-minute mark because mm. you gotta, you've got your use-it-or-lose-it timeouts. You've got a TV timeout baked in there. Um, and Joe Mazzula, to his credit, just decided to put his hands behind his back. He's like, nope, I, I'm not going to use it. Um, I'm not going to give you the oh, opportunity yeah. to sub him Darko back in. Darko used it against the guy who like never uses timeouts, right. Joe Mazzula. So yeah. it's also a situation where you know if you have three timeouts, you can do that more comfortably because mm. you can just burn one. Mm. They ended up needing the two timeouts they had left for like end of like end of yes. game plays. Yeah. So if you have a third timeout, you can do that. The other the other thing I asked Darko about was well, you also had a foul to give. Like, could you have used right. the foul to give at some point to get Scotty back in? Um, and he he said he considered it, but I, I guess they just decided like that's too helpful a cushion of if you have to foul on a play to prevent the basket. Um, that those weren't his words. He, well, he sure, just yeah. kind of acknowledged that he that he yeah. he considered it anyway. It didn't work out, and this is one of those things you you can't play it by the result. But in the moment, you know, I tweeted this out when it when it, here's here's the thinking, but here's the risk, and yeah. it ended up not playing out that way. Um, so yeah, I think that's one that he would handle differently. In the future, he took accountability for it, which I thought was good. Um, just tough. Even on a night that Barnes wasn't at his very best, tough not to have that guy on the floor for like four of the last four and a half minutes. Yeah, um, definitely a little bit of a gamble. But I think the intent there was to not play Scotty the full quarter. Like, it's, it reminds me of um, after the Raptors came back against San Antonio and won in overtime. Mm. Darko OG said, got the, the little rest, right? OG got the little rest where I think he played the entire fourth quarter and then he subbed out for like a minute of overtime and then came back in. Right. And Darko was like, shame of me, shame on me for leaving him out there for 12 straight minutes, right? Mm. It's it's a totally different approach. It's a very concerted approach. They don't want to put their players in a position where they got to be overtaxed. And so, of course, you you do need to roll the dice a little bit. I think in this case, not only the foul to give, but the rap, like, he sat out for like four minutes in that mm-hmm. stretch. So the foul to give is like in the last two minutes, of course. Like you could have taken a foul before mm. the last two minutes. And you probably have multiple fouls to give at that point. Yeah. So you could have potentially subbed them in. It's a little bad luck, too. Nobody committed, like, a foul. There was no, like... Nothing out of bounds. Nothing out of bounds. Like, it, it, it is what it is. Like, I think on an average um, situation, you play that back over and over. Situ- Sorry. 
the the other thing is, <laughs> and, over and again, yeah. what you're saying is right. Like the OG thing and getting him a breather in overtime is, well, we know that guys like wear down by the end of the game. And, and like, it's, it's a smart approach to try to get guys a breather. And when yep. I say that there, you normally expect at least two breaks in plays uh, before the three minute mark there. What I'm getting at is like, you could have lost Scotty for 90 seconds of play, but he got like a six or seven minute break mm-hmm. yeah. um, with TV timeouts and stuff like that factored in. Um, and that was the the logic. Like, if you think back, this is a an old reference, but like one of the ways you kind of, uh, I kind of learned about the importance of that is like the Luis Scola year, Patrick Patterson used to be the first sub in for Luis Scola. Mm-hmm. And he had these monster plus minuses. The team would play way better. And then he never, it, it felt like, and the numbers back this up, he couldn't hit a clutch three. And then you look and it's like, well, every game he's playing 18 straight minutes to end the game mm-hmm. because he's a key part of those Kyle and bench units. And then you want to close with him because mm-hmm. you don't want to go back to Scola. So like, yeah, your legs aren't there for three pointers at the end of an 18 minute straight stretch. Even if you're a really well-conditioned athlete, um, you know, it's reasonable that, you know, your three-point shooting yeah. fades just a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's the logic behind it. It didn't work out, and it, it seems, you know, like a little... Like, I think it was worth a timeout or a foul somewhere there to, to get him back in. Yeah, I think my bigger thing with that game in Boston was just I didn't agree with some of the decisions that Dennis made mm-hmm. down the stretch. And um, he started that game really strong. He was probably really the best strong. player in the first half. He played really well. There's, uh, I'm not asking for more than 23 points and a... Um, you know, I think like 11 assists. He, he had a really good game. He had like six five assists. threes, six assists. Okay. Um, I don't mind seeing 11 here. Okay. Well, he was playing really well, but down the stretch there, I thought Pascal had it really, really going. He mm. hit a jumper over Tatum. He hit a jumper over Brown. He did a move where he like, uh, like hit the spin move on Drew Holiday twice mm. to get to a layup. It was beautiful to watch him sort of like create advantages. And I also thought that that game was a really good instance of the rest of the Raptors showing the patience to cut and space around Pascal, and Pascal showed good patience to allow that spacing to happen. And then so that when there were opportunities where the Celtics hard doubled, um, you know, he would find Dennis for three, or he'd find Scotty for a cut, or he'd find, you know, Jakob for a cut. So down the stretch, I really thought that, especially because it was a one-possession game, the, he should have gotten the ball a lot more. I think the last five possessions of the game, he didn't touch the ball once. Um, and I think that it's it's fine if you can generate advantages elsewhere, but there was like a pull-up three that Dennis took that I thought was not, you know, in rhythm or really just a good look, period. And another one where he ran a pick-and-roll with Precious. I think this the game was tied at this point. And um, he ran the pick-and-roll with Precious, and he settled for uh, a, like a floater from 15 feet out. And, of course, I'm, I, he can make that floater, but the percentages on a shot like that, especially with Drew Holiday or Derek White, I forgot which one was covering him, is not going to be that high, especially from that kind of range. Um, so yeah, I think I had some regrets in terms of just like w- how the fourth quarter offense, uh, was running. Of course, the last play of the game with Derek White getting open for three, that was also regrettable. Like, what did you see on that? Yeah. So that one, to me, that's a, that's a Gary. I, I know Darko said after the game that precious is supposed to be a little lower in that action, but, um, Samson and I actually sat there and we watched it back a couple times. We asked precious about it, uh, as well. And what you see is. Precious is at the top on Tatum and they're zoning up the other side. Precious and Siakam are, are zoning up three shooters. Um, and then what happens is Jalen Brown cuts into the paint mm-hmm. to be that dump off option because the post up isn't going anywhere. Now, what has happened there is Pascal follows Jalen on the cut yeah. because the way they're situated, he thinks that's his man. The way that I read it and and Darko and Precious's explanation of, of what their principles are there, Gary underneath the basket is either supposed to have 
picked up Jalen and called Pascal off, mm-hmm. or it's his job to X out from the middle back to that corner shooter. Yeah. And if you watch the replay back, he's just standing there. Yeah. And he he's not he doesn't box anyone out. He's not in a rebounding position. Um, it, it's just like it's kind of like controller unplugged. And you can quibble with the assignments of like, should Precious have been lower? And you trust the long closeout to Tatum at the top. Um, you know, you could question whether zoning up or they should have been in man on that side and just pull Gary out of the paint, trusted your rim protection. That was kind of Precious's thought of like, well, you know, maybe next time you'd rather just like make them finish over your primary defender. Yeah, sure. But either way, they made that decision and the ball goes out to the corner um, and everyone has a man and everyone has an assignment except for Gary in that mm-hmm. spot. So I think it, it's got to be on him to X out to that corner and at least contest. And if not that, pick someone up in case that doesn't go in. Well, I just feel like the Raptors didn't fully commit to um, how they wanted to guard it because you have Holiday backing down Dennis, which is fine. Like, obviously, like, Dennis is smaller than Holiday. Holiday wants to pass in that situation. mostly wants to pass. And, look, listen, if you want to double-team him and force him to make some risky passes, I don't mind that. The thing is, Gary floats over from the baseline, doesn't really impact... Holiday, maybe you would say Holiday can't spin baseline because Gary's there, but he's not even really on the ball. And then, yeah, as, as you mentioned, he doesn't take Jalen on the cut, and he doesn't X out to the corner either. So it, it's tough. It, it's 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 tough. The Raptors actually did get Scotty a really good look on the inbound in the play mm-hmm. after. I actually, um, you know, thought the play design there was really nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was regrettable. I, ultimately, I, I think back on the Celtics game, and I'm like, the Raptors were a lot closer than I anticipated. They were much more competitive, and... A lot of points in that fourth quarter, they actually led. And it made me feel um, encouraged about sort of what they could do. Don't forget that OG wasn't playing in that mm-hmm. game either. And I think the bigger thing, too, is not just OG wasn't playing, but that made another person in the rotation come in and play, like a McDaniels or like a even Grady in that game. I thought both of those guys didn't contribute much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice um, nice bounce back from getting blown out in Boston like the week before, it too, right? Like much, coming much off, better, for sure. Coming off two days off when they went into Boston and yeah. they just got blown out. And, like... It's interesting, speaking about, like, the in-season tournament, like, aspect of it, a couple things, um, specifically with the Raptors, like, um, I think you were there post-game, too. Like, Darko was talking about how, like, when they were down three with one second left after they shot the free throws, they actually decided not to foul because of the point differential. Yeah. Like, go for the steal, um, not give up two free points. We, so, we saw around the NBA that night mm-hmm. as well, the Bucks got into a heated thing with Charlotte a little bit because Charlotte felt mm-hmm. the Bucks were being disrespectful, running up the – like, keeping their starters in late right. in, like, a 30-point game. Yeah. And the Bucks' response was point differential matters yeah, in the in-season and, and, and tournament. And also Charlotte is – I think it's dis- disrespectful you're employing Miles Bridges. Yeah, let's, let's and the on. Hornets themselves are just disrespect. They've been disrespecting professional basketball for years. Um, so the Raptors are now 0-1 um, in this in-season tournament, finally got invited, um, and they've got, what, two more games this week or uh, two, yep. in, in so, the tournament, so right? So tomorrow yeah. at Orlando is a tournament game. Yeah. Friday at home against the Bulls is a tournament game. Yeah, so and how, then, how's it looking like, Blake, right now, that we're 0-1 with the minus three differential? Yeah. What we got to do, win all three? It, win yeah, all three you, win you definitely have to win all okay. three. Um, I, I would probably expect Boston to win out. So then you're looking at, you've got to be, so the way it works, each division, each pool winner will make it on mm-hmm. and then one wild card in each conference. So mm-hmm. um, obviously the best record a wild card can have is three and one because otherwise you would have won the pool. So you got to have the best differential of the three and one teams, um, assuming Boston wins out here. So yeah. um, you are heading into, so the Magic are one and one, but they've got a minus 14. They got blown out in one of the games. Mm. Uh, the Bulls are already 0 and 2, so they're probably out of it. Yeah. And then... The Nets are two and one. You can, you can beat the Nets next week and control your own destiny in that regard. Um, but the Nets are plus eight in that two and one. So you've got to uh, somewhere here. You're going to have to pick up uh, 
right. you know, if not three wins, you got to pick up a big plus minus. And even if you win out, you probably want to, you know, be plus double digits by the end of them. So win those three games by a combined yeah. 13 points or so to be in the mix for, and look, there's, there are still three or four in-season tournament nights left. So things can change. A team can unexpectedly get blown out, but that's how it looks in their pool right now is you are jockeying with Orlando and Brooklyn to finish second and hoping for point differential bulls are probably out of it yeah so if they lose tomorrow they're basically out yeah it's gonna yeah. be it, it's so it's really gonna be so funny if see. the bulls and raps play the in-season tournament game on friday and they're both potentially just eliminated right it happens then it's yeah. just a regular season game which yeah. also matters with a with a different court though yes yeah. um by the way uh can we just play on that court more often though that rap is <laughs> just for sick. fun so I thought the court looked really, really good, yeah. and mm. I was thinking the exact same thing, Will. And then I'm like, man, isn't it going to be awkward if you use the court more in the second half and the in-season tournament trophy is on the court? Oh, It's like using the old NBA Finals insignia on the black and gold OVO court if it wasn't an NBA Finals game. Like, it, it, like mm. the court looks good, but it'll be a little awkward. Yeah. Well, my general takeaway is just make more courts black. It looks sick. Oh, yeah. You like that, eh? Yeah. No, it's one of the best courts I've ever I think, seen. I think it was actually like the best in-season tournament court was the Raptors one. No, I recorded. We haven't seen them all in action yet. The Magic haven't debuted theirs tomorrow. Yeah, we you, get the <laughs> debut of the Magic court tomorrow. You would know. This yeah. is why you're skipping the company party, Blake. For the Magic game, yeah. Well, I'm also this doing is why we, This is why we're doing like oh, a half an hour with, that an, supports the company? with the Magic right, assistant coach tomorrow, too. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's we're, right. We're going to um, tease it like the Adam Silver interview. Yeah, Jesse Merman is coming up tomorrow, 2.30 possibly. Um... The other thing about the IST um, is, you know, Jalen Brown was very vocal after the game yeah. about the slippery court. And I think we saw it during the game. A lot of guys, I think Precious as well, yeah. like slipped on the court. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like you flag. This is, isn't just in Toronto. This is like yeah. a running thing going on right yeah, now. Yeah. Luca complained about the court. I can't remember if that was a Mavs home game or a Mavs away game, but he complained mm. about one of the in-season court. Um, Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner both complained about the Pacers court. Mm. Um, we obviously haven't seen the magic yet, but I asked a couple people around the game after Friday, um, just kind of hanging out after. And the, the belief seems to be that that happens when a court hasn't been broken in enough. Um, so Alex, your nephews obviously didn't do a good enough job Friday afternoon breaking in the court. Oh, I wouldn't um, know. I was ushered off very quickly yeah. by a specific well, person off the court. allowed them to, you know, enjoy their time. Yeah, it's yeah. all good. Um, but uh, that seems to be the the thinking is that the, you know, and we know that the, I think it was the Mavs court that had to be painted, repainted, or Mavs or Nuggets. Oh, there's one of the courts that had the wrong three-point Yeah, line. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> Why didn't they give that one to the refs? Yeah. Um, Grant Williams was the person who noticed it, but I can't yeah. remember if it was the Mavs oh, you home were telling game the story or about away game. Yeah. You were telling the story about how Grant Williams was like, oh, why am I missing all my shots? Yeah, right? and the three-point line was wrong, so that had to be repainted at the last minute. So yeah. that would explain maybe some slipperiness there. Okay. But the belief seems to be like these courts just haven't been played on yet. Mm. And most yeah. NBA courts, you know, not only are they a couple years old and stuff, but even the new ones, you'd get a preseason game or two in on them. Yeah. Um, from my understanding too, there's, there's, it's not the easiest thing to like get a new court. Sure. Not the cheapest thing either. It's not the cheapest thing either. There's only like two or three suppliers for these courts. Yeah. And so some of these courts are also refurbished courts. Yeah. Get Adam Silver back on the line. I just speak to him about this 30 I, I, court I'm play. I'm just saying like, you know. We got up the end season uh, tournament too much last week for look, look, obviously play safety is the most important thing. Yes. I mean, wh whatever they can do to like improve yeah. like the friction, I guess, on, on these courts yeah. would, be, would be better. You don't, you obviously don't want a major player like a Jalen Brown suffer like a huge injury he did play on the court. Yeah. Later in the weekend. So he's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah but yeah. that would be the last thing you would want yeah. to be like a stain on like the first year 
of the in-season tournament. And listen, if it takes more guys playing on the court first, like just, yo, invite us out to a run. <laughs> Every I will be, game I'll be ISD. happy to play on that court. I'm going to stomp all over that, that <laughs> court, man. Let me stomp and, on and the look, court. And look, I will be happy to be like, hey, guys, I think you need to remeasure the three-point line. Uh, I haven't hit a three yet today. That, that's unusual. Exactly. And we continue yeah. to stray further away from basketball. Um, you know, Drake was on the other network, um, you know, commentating, I believe for like the entire fourth quarter, yeah. like a close game. And I'm starting to take it personal that like, I know we're not part of the TV broadcast, oh, but he rivalry only does time. the other network. Uh-oh, rivalry. Kind of think that yeah. means in fairness, he should be on our radio network yeah. at some point. Anything to add to this, uh, Mr. Will? Uh, the first person shooter music video is pretty sick. What? Oh, okay. It was. Um, it was really sick. Uh, I liked it. Yeah. Drake called um, Peyton Pritchard a crypto scammer. Um, yeah. Peyton Pritchard seemed to have a good time with it. He used it as a caption on IG over nice. the weekend. Nice. Um, um, it's better than it. Slim Shady, so. Yeah, no, it's definitely better. Um, <laughs> and, and as we continue to stray away, yeah. so Fat Joe was in the building um, on Friday. Yes. Shouts to Fat Joe. Shouts he, to Terrace He might Squad. need a rebranding. Yeah, Slim He's Joe. He's just like, like, Kind of thick Joe now. Mike Gentilly Jr. Yeah. <laughs> like Chunky Joe? Chunky Joe's not bad. I don't know if that's going to work. It's though. too friendly, though. It's it's so friendly. Though. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, okay, did, right. did you run into him yeah. as well? Oh, so as I was coming out of the God. media elevator and coming back that way in the in the uh, annals of the uh, Air Can- oh. or Scotiabank Arena. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. His crew was, like, leaving, and yeah. uh, he, like, kind of turned uh, without uh, looking and gave me a little elbow bump. Like di- what? <laughs> That's the that's when he said he liked Dick um, uh, at the Kansas. draft, I believe. Um, he really does because he really can't see Grady. So, so you bumped into him. Yeah. Lee Van bumped. I like pur- he physically bumped into. I purposely left to go downstairs early to camp out in the tunnel yeah. to, to catch Chunky Joe, and then <laughs> what is? Chunky here's the question: so What is funny, the man. like? Obviously, we know Drake is off limits. Barack yeah. Obama, when he rolls up with Masai and Adam Silver, is yeah. off limits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Other you celebrities that are a little you, bit below man. there, like, are you? I could you ask for? A, I wasn't. A pick? I wasn't going to be an ask to flick okay. up. I just wanted them to know, like, yo, you're one of the all time greats. Like, I just want to show your, my respect. Maybe your favorite uh, Fat Joe song right now. Fat Joe's song. I know his whole albums, man. My favorite album is Don Cartagena. You don't know John Blaze? Um, here, I guess R. here's the pun. Is yeah. uh. You go down and you grab me yeah. or Will or Jr. or whoever. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm going to go say something to Fat Joe. Get your camera. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. No, so I then just, it's a yeah. candid. I don't mind the flick, but I also just wanted that moment. Yeah. So then I'm waiting in the tunnel and Drake walks by. I'm like, I could care less, man. He's here all the time. Um, And then I'm waiting. Is he? <laughs> he is, man. <laughs> he was only there for the no, fourth No, but quarter. Drake walks by. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Where's Joe? Joe's not there. Yeah. I go in the media room to do the Darko post Why game. would you go do the Darko post Because I already waited there for five minutes. And like even what were you gonna ask, Darko? Mike Roach? I've never no, heard you Mike ask Roach, a question. Post-game. Yeah, I only do one on ones for uh, books. Prehistoric will be a uh, paperback December fifth. Uh, everybody, oh. um, but Mike Roach was like, yeah, I don't think they're. I think Joe left. Like he's he probably left through the back and something. And I was like, all right, cool, I'm out of here. And then uh, I hear from Lee Ban that he ran into Joe. I hear from you, and um, yeah. it's crushing, man. That's tough. Yeah, that is really tough. Um, Situation. Couple things from the game that day that was interesting. <laughs> Uh, Can I ask you one first, since you you and Gary are Mister Fashion Friends now? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, Uh-oh. What's up, man? Drake's outfit. He was in like a Canadian tuxedo that yeah. also though looked like he was wearing catcher's gear. Like the legs had padding in them at oh, the front. Like, yeah. did, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but it looks like he's wearing catcher leg pads yeah. underneath his jeans. I don't. I don't. We rating this his is, fit. Well, I just like. I, is this a thing? Like, I've. I don't think I've ever seen. 
catcher padded jeans. Is, it, is that a way to make yourself look bigger? Is that you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like a little bulky look. I can't yeah, listen, man. He, I'm waiting for a lot of bulky looks. <laughs> waiting for Jersey to post his signed copy of Prehistoric, so I'm staying out of this, guys. Uh, Go okay. ahead. Apparently, it's vintage Gialli padded denim jacket and padded denim jeans. How much is, is it, man? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> How much is it? Is <laughs> it like, more expensive than your Jeff Hamilton? Uh, so, one of the interesting situations that came out. Situation. And uh, I think it was posted on Six Buds of all places. Because, of course, it was. <laughs> We're talking about this. There was, like, a really <laughs> unwell person yes. who, like, fell through the canopy <laughs> on the tunnel where the players walk through. I did not see that. During the, it was like mid third, end like of the third quarter? Mid third quarter. And at mid third yeah. quarter. He, the, the person was, uh, I mean, I don't know, like just not in the right state of mind, let's say, and uh, fell through the canopy. Yeah. Then required like six officers to come like uh, detain and, and arrest this person. It was Because they were thing. screaming and kicking and spitting at everybody. Yeah. And then I think that might have delayed Drake's entrance because it took a long time to subdue him. I'm serious. That's man. crazy. Yeah, so, but, um, yeah salute to us. Uh, by the way, Black Dragon Roll, Jerome says his uh, Fat Joe's new name should be Fit Joe. Fit Joe. Yeah. Um, and one right. last note, the vintage Gialli 21C JK padded denim jacket <laughs> motorcycle yeah. style um, is, I, I found one on eBay quickly here for 375 US just for the jacket. That's not too bad. 375, like, oh, that's it? Like no more zeros? No, yeah. 375 oh. jacket. That's oh. not too bad. Yeah. It's not a... The question is, crazy. would you rock it, though? I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, Mr. Columbia Campbell. <laughs> anyway. <it's> <laughs> <laughs> this edit is so good. <laughs> uh, Anyways, yeah. I believe we're supposed to go to break. Yeah, now. we're going to go to break. But uh, interesting interesting two nights at uh, Scotiabank Arena over the weekend. But, Situation. Uh, we're going to take this break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show featuring Usher on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. Uh, still joined by Alex and Blake. Big shouts to producer Derek. I know on the podcast version, you only hear the generic Raptor Show intro music. But uh, when you listen live, you get to hear some of these classics, yeah. man. That, Dirt off your shoulder. I saw Alex lose 50 bucks to that song yesterday, so good for you. It was actually to Encore, but yeah, it's fine. Oh, my yeah. bad, my bad. Yeah. That's, that's the guy who did some features on the Linkin Park album, right? <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> to America. This is why we'll be calling Blake Countryside Mamba in the fourth segment, to be explained. Um, yeah, it was good, guys. Uh, it yeah, it, it a... is very amusing to me, though, that, like, that Collision Course EP, which is, like, good and fun. Mm -hmm. Like, there are probably some people who were introduced to Jay-Z oh, yo, for through sure. that Collision yeah, Course EP. Yeah. For sure. Because they were just, like, hard into well, the I mean, early OOs. Oh, yeah. Rock. That's amazing. The inverse actually happened to me. Like, that's how I got introduced to Linkin Park. Oh, that's amazing. Which is crazy to me as someone yeah, yeah, who, yeah. like, looks like me and grew up at my age. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's wild. But, like... Yeah. Are they named uh, Lincoln Park because of the, the park in Chicago? Um, Probably. Th that's a... They need to... Used to be named Hybrid Theory, I believe. Derek is just in my ear telling yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, Shout that's the name Mike of their first album. album. So so Mike Mike Shinoda, Shinoda, man. Um, they're oh, not from minor, number though. four pitcher for the they're San not Francisco from Chicago, Giants. so that'd be a, a, oh, a yeah, weird yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, we'll figure that out. 
Um, who else I going to talk Looking to? Part's you guys? nice in Chicago, by the way. Go to the north side sometimes. Yeah, yeah. This guy goes to Chicago for one weekend. Um, go visit the Bean. Um, per blog to yeah. Raptors were asked at the Rap City Social for which Willu was in attendance. Not as media, to be clear. I want to make it very clear. This I did was not his, go as media. Yeah, AC he can't fan, go as media. This was AC fan flight. Will hey, I got flown out in, in the building. Shout out to Kalani. And a lot of the uh, a lot of the Raptors staff, coaches, players were asked about their favorite restaurants, and I feel like we do this every year. Darko listed pie. Shouts to everyone at Pie as his favorite restaurant. Um, By the Scotty way, OG Precious spot last night. Yeah, right? Scotty OG Precious. I think Christian Coloco was there as well, celebrating Grady Dick's twentieth birthday. And Epon, uh, Garrett Temple was I believe there with his wife. You can see Garrett Temple like in the cut in in one okay. in the back of one of the photos. Like yeah. like there is a like dad in yeah. a suit in the background, and uh, I'm pretty sure it's Garrett yeah. Temple, but it's a little fuzzy. Though. No, shouts to Jeff, Chef Nui. Um, shouts to Chef Nui. Do they you know. still have like because I re- I remember like years back they had like Raptor themed names for some stuff on. Yes, their they menu. still have them on. Okay. The, the drinks are all Raptors okay, like cool. theme names, which is pretty cool. Um, Yaka Portal. Anyways, um, Scotty Barnes also listed. <laughs> oh, he just, just blew right by it. <laughs> just curved him. Oh, Scotty Barnes. Sorry, kind of on tilt from poker yesterday. Uh, um, Scotty listed Cactus Club in his top three. Yeah. Um, also Harbor sixty. So yeah, your usual suspects are are there, guys. Thoughts? <laughs> Big fan of pie. That's all I'm gonna say. Big fan you, you of think pie. They got the back room, the, the secret private room, <laughs> the one that we got. That's not, that's <laughs> not what Ronnie I meant to Chang. ask. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, look, listen. They they definitely do take care of the players. I'm I'm happy that the team went out for Grady. Grady only turned 20, man. That's, I know. That's unbelievable. What were you guys doing at 20? Um, I was at UFT, just like you know, not going to classes. Which yeah. UFT? I wanted to like go to space. <laughs> UT Scarborough yeah, shows to the BBA right. program. I was at Queens, uh, you know, in capitalism camp, um, business ah. school. Yeah. yeah it was about, probably around when I was actually, like, starting to write for the first time. Nice. What about you? You were in China? or? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I'm asking. I was not in China, man. Oh, okay. You came over when you were, like, seven, right? Yeah, yeah I came over when I was seven. Seven. Situation. Okay. I was... Yeah, I was, I was a bit master. I was doing economics. So I think we actually were all in the same vibe. The here. Big Mac. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Having a terrible time. This is a, a lesson to all the kids out there of just like, yeah, get, go to school to get your backup plan. But yeah. uh, don't do not do anything in media or sport media, apparently. And you, you can you end up need, on a, on a don't need national NBA TV and radio show. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Should anyways, we will be supporting the journalism program at TMU this Saturday, <laughs> sportversusmedia.com. Yeah. Oh, go yeah. get your tickets. I've been uh, modeling my different rotation patterns for yeah. against you guys and stuff. Yeah. Speaking of bad teams, you know, we we're talking about the Detroit Pistons, losers of 11 in a row now. Um, and, and Kate Cunningham had some comments after the game yesterday, um, basically talking about, he said, quote, we got to be realistic about the situation. It's hard to just be like, we're good. We're good. You know what I'm saying? Because we're bad. We have to address that. We have to address that. We're not good. What we're not good at address it with not only words, but on the court and in the huddles called it unacceptable. Um, called the energy, called the energy unacceptable and said that we're the youngest team in the league. We should be scrapping and clawing for everything. So, um, yeah, man, our Pistons. Were they supposed to be this bad this season? I thought they were picked by people to, like, maybe take a step. No, I thought they would be... I thought the the jump they were going to take was from awful to regular bad. Mm-hmm. And they have gone the other way. Now, they've dealt with some injury stuff. Like, Duran is out. Um, Bojan, Joe Harris. So, like, they're two, like, 
other than Alex Burks, the two guys who are supposed to play like vet minutes and connect things and stuff and be the adult in the room. They haven't had a couple of those guys. Duren's a big loss. Mm-hmm. Killian Hayes being out is probably a positive the way he had played. But like yeah. you're they're missing your guy, uh the the count of Monty assist the TO. They have Monty Morris. <laughs> yeah. Get him to the Raptors, man. Um, Holy. But yeah, they one are one second round pick. That's all I'm getting. Started. They're really bad. Yeah. Like bad. that is yeah. that is one of the most like unconnected performances that I've seen. And like it's not only this eleven game losing streak. They had two eleven game losing streaks in the second half of last season. Okay, that's, so this is three yeah. times in the calendar year two thousand twenty three yeah. that they've been on eleven game losing streaks. How um, is that possible? I man? thought Cade being three back would streaks. be a plus. Um, I uh-huh. think Cade has to wear some of this. He's had good numbers this year, and I thought he played yeah. really well yesterday, given the defensive attention the Raptors paid him. Yeah. But like he's shooting poorly from all over the floor. Mm-hmm. He has the worst like kind of on off impact metrics on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just not driving winning for them yet and that could be okay like really this is his second season um, because he only played a couple of games last year and that takes time at the point guard position but I think he's got to wear some of this too like this is supposed to be his team at this point and year three in that room and in that franchise um, you know that that falls on you as much as anyone Um, so yeah it's just it's hard to see the path man because I like Kate I like Asar I like Jalen Duran but like that's not that's not enough, I don't think. And I like Marcus Sasser too, um, Abude. But like these are guys like Marcus if, Sasser. If these are like your six, seven, eighth players, yeah, that that's cool. Like if this is the bench guys for the Nuggets or Pelicans chipping in around the edges, mm-hmm. they're not the pieces that are yeah. like your A one pieces you're building around. Um, so I don't know, man. I think they're like a long ways away still. Yeah, yeah, I was a little worried last night just because, like, okay, you know, this team has lost 10 in a row. Like, they're probably desperate. They might catch you sleeping on a Sunday, you know, and, and they might get some confidence early and make mm-hmm. it a game. I, I was wrong. Like, it was the other way. Like, the, the Pistons just didn't care at all. Like, there was there was the effort. Just forget the execution. In, in a way, the, ex, the effort was missing. Yeah. Raptors got to almost is, every 50-50 Why ball. is 45-year-old Alec Burks, like, the energy guy on your team? Like, the guy who is making small plays and hustle plays. Has Alec Burks been on a good team ever? Like Knicks, he, what jazz? Yeah, he has yeah. made the playoffs four times in like a hundred seasons in the league. Yeah, yeah. put some respect on Burks. Uh, but regardless, thirteen seasons, he's made the playoffs four times. He's been in the league thirteen years. Good he's man. the most nondescript like player of this generation. But he'll, well, he would feature off the Raptors bench. I'll be, be clear. But yeah. I mean, no, seriously, like that team just doesn't really play like serious basketball. Yeah, it reminded me of those like Houston Rockets of previous years ago, where the Raptors like there was one game where the Raptors ran a full court press on them the whole game, <laughs> and they turned over. They're like, I don't times. know what any of this is. Yo, it was I'm really literally scared. like their high school game. And like it's it's look, they're rebuilding. They're on a, in a long path back. Everyone understands that the teardown is going to take a couple years to come back up. But like, yeah, Dwayne Casey was there because he is a culture setter, right? Like, that's what he did so well in Toronto. That's what he was supposed to do in Detroit. I'm not putting this on him at all. But Monty Williams comes in as that coaching change, has one of the highest coaching contracts in the league. Like, Mm -hmm. they did that because they thought they were going to be ready to... Yes, Monty Williams is a great culture guy, very well-liked guy. But they were trying to take a step forward in terms of the, we're actually going to win some games now as well. And again, acknowledging the injuries and stuff... That game yesterday was not a Jalen Duran and a Joe Harris away from being competitive. This no. team at two and twelve is not a Monty Morris away from. They have being Joe Harris too. Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, Joe Harris or Joe Ingles? Yeah. Uh, no, Joe, Joe Harris. Joe Ingles is yeah. on your Magic. Right. Yeah. He's wow, on. Who he's he on played for? Yeah. Come on, Blake. Do you, watch basket- my- Do you watch basketball? Do you watch basketball? Yeah. Um, well, that, that, we, a lot of Joe play, talk on this one, so. man. <laughs> Fat Joe. 
Chunky you want Joe, to, here's Joe a pivot. Ingles. Isaiah Joe went seven for seven on threes like, for Oklahoma City the other day. By the day. way, why did the oh, Sixers yeah. cut Isaiah Joe? Um, because Daryl Morey's overrated. Um, no, because like he's 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 a guy, man. Like he could really no, he's definitely get, a guy. Really go. Well, yeah. you guys are gonna have a longer conversation about this. We're gonna have Jay Skeets from uh, No Dunks join us after the break. But yeah, a couple minutes here, maybe tee up a little bit of the OKC Thunder. I know you're gonna talk to the, um, him about Shea. Um, I mean, my big question is like, man, watching the way that the Thunder are playing right now, I mean, Shea got to be in the early convo for MVP right now. Finished yeah. fifth last year. Yeah. yeah. No, I think if you're just telling me one-on-one who needs to get me a bucket late in the game yeah. of anyone in the league. I want Alec Burks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, I think I would actually, hit, I would take Shea. Okay. I would take Shea. He might be the toughest one-on-one check yeah. in basketball yeah. right now. And like, obviously like, yeah, Jokic or Embiid, if you're running a whole possession and you're trying to figure – but if you're talking one-on-one, yeah. like, he embarrasses guys regularly. Yeah. He embarrassed Steph. He out-dueled Steph um, and, and posted all the highlights on IG. Yeah, yeah. which is great. I love that. <laughs> um, and, and the E-40 reference. Yeah, the E-40 reference in his IG rap. Yeah, when yeah. his name was Earl before the rap game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Shea has also taken a big step forward defensively this year, which mm-hmm. is really great to see, too. He's – um. So EPM, the the first batch of estimated plus minus came out this year. It's very very high on Scotty. It's by like the cookies way, cookies were for nerds. <laughs> no, they dropped a batch on the streets. Yeah, um, <laughs> nice, nice. Scotty, by the way, is sixth in in estimated impact yeah, yeah. per wow. hundred possessions so far this Shea's year. Shea's first. Shea's third. Only third. Jokic and Embiid are narrowly ahead of him. So, so he's we're right behind the, the two last, MVPs. The last three the MVPs. Last three MVPs. And Shea. I'm going to give the assist to, to Brian Windhorst on this one. Okay. He dropped the stat. Shea is averaging 20 points per game just off drives alone. Whew. Yeah, that's amazing. 20 points a game. Do the Raptors average 20 points per game off drives? Well, we're you know what? Like, we are very good at touching the paint. I think we I think we do average 20 Oh, we touch the paint. We touch the paint. <laughs> but then right. what do we do? Uh, at that point, you know, we'll probably touch the paint again because that's usually how the Raptors like to score. So. Yaka Portal. Uh, we're going to take another break. In your host, You've been listening to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. When we come back, let's look back on the 2021 draft and see where Scotty goes. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Blaine Blue. Uh, continue to be joined by co-host Blake Murphy here in segment three. And we are joined on the line by... Honestly, truly one of the OGs, not to make him feel old, uh, but J.E. Skeets, who, um, you know, way back in the day, inspired me to, not inspired me to get into podcasting. I don't think he directly did that, but uh, I just really enjoyed podcasting, and that's my into podcasting because of J.E. Skeets and what they did on uh, the Basketball Jones. So, what's up, Skeets? How you doing, man? Not to age you. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, man. I feel old now. Yeah. Uh, I also apologize for getting you into podcasting. No, don't worry about that. Come on. Well, Did I, I follow your I guess you've made path? a living out of it. Look at you now, man. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Skeets, I, I got to say, you know, he's he doesn't have to age you there. It, I have the microphone here. I don't know if you can see me covering the little grays at the bottom of my beard. Mm. You're embracing it a little bit more than I am. I got to ask another thing about your look, though. Uh, the blue yeah. tape across the neck here. We got a LaMelo situation. You, you got a rival podcast <laughs> tattooed on your neck or what? Yeah, unfortunately, I went and got that no dunks tattoo over the weekend. Um, <laughs> looking real sharp, got the neon colors in there and everything, but uh, got a bit of a memo, a bit of a stern email from, uh, yeah, Tim Frank himself there at the NBA saying wow. uh, no corporate logos when you're coming on this show. So 
had to cover it up, but yeah, it is what it is. That's a, wow. that's a tough one. How quickly did your brain, when you saw the Lamelo stuff, go to like Santa Claus as Crash more? Like, I don't care about it, but it's not good behavior. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was more like, hold on, Lamelo has a fashion clothing brand called La France. I mean, uh, thanks for telling me about it, NBA. I had no idea that's what it was. I just, again, I thought it was the initials La France. I don't even think I knew that was his middle name, uh, which is pretty cool. But a, a yeah, double a law in your name is, is wait, his, wild. Wait, hold on. His name yeah. is Lamelo La France. Yeah, so, yes. so this is the Sorry, issue is man. the NBA did not have an issue with him having the LF tattoo at first because it was just his initials. Oh, and then he made that exact okay. initial design his clothing brand. Oh, so yes. now it's in violation of the rules. What was LeVar cooking? Now I need to know the other countries of Lonzo and Leangelo. Like, what, what countries are they associated with? Uh, Lonzo is just Lonzo, uh, Lonzo Anderson ball. Oh, okay. All right. But then eventually, how did you get from yeah. Anderson to LaFrance by yeah. your third child? That's... And then Leangelo is Leangelo Robert ball. Robert. Well, that's what it definitely was doing in China. Anyway, um, we're going to move on. <laughs> And then Lamelo LaFrance. I I don't know. Lamelo LaFrance ball is 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 wild, man. Damn, that's that's a new LL Cool J for me. Okay, <laughs> uh, so Skeets, um, you know, I was watching the match yesterday between the Raptors and the Pistons, and obviously Scotty versus Cade, same draft. Cade went first overall. Scotty went fourth. Uh, and then I was looking ahead to the week, um, and the Raptors will play the Orlando Magic, which obviously have Franz Wagner, they have Jalen Suggs, another two guys from the 2021 draft. And I just thought about like you know the latest EPM rankings dropping you know like um and you know it's scotty being six overall in the whole league not just in the draft class and i was thinking about okay how is this draft class looking right now because i was also then watching a bunch of alperin shangun highlights he almost beat the lakers last night as well uh, obviously with the rockets so i wanted to collect both of you here and, and, and just talk through sort of how that 2021 uh draft class is looking right now obviously scotty barnes he won rookie of the year so we're gonna get him the uh the, the the start here but yeah skeets i want to hear from you what have you seen you from scotty barnes this year and, and sort of how do you feel about his place in, in this 2021 redraft i think he would go number one uh, dare i say pretty comfortably with mm. what we've seen from this season yeah, you know yeah. obviously i don't think we're probably saying this last season by any means uh when he had the down sophomore year but um i'll be honest i watch a ton of raptors games obviously love the team support the team and even i in getting ready for this a little bit was looking at Scotty's numbers on the season going, whoa, I didn't really realize they were that great. You know, 21 points per game, basically round up a bit, nine boards, six assists, like giving you the defense too. So he's doing everything. I think he goes one. I think like when you redraft this, it does feel like there's like five or six really, really still talented players. Yeah. And I know like Cade going number one in the real 2021 draft, that's the big question with him right now, how poor he's played struggling to take care of the ball. But then it's a situation where it's like, have you seen who's playing on the Pistons and what Monty Williams is trying to do with mm. Cade Cunningham? They're almost like treating him like he's like a Luka or a Harden um, sort of heliocentric sort of offense type of guy. And it's just like, they don't have shooters around him. So they're putting him in a tough spot, I think. But to answer your question, it's like, it's Scotty one. And then you sort of get into, are you going Franz? Are you going Mobley? Mm -hmm. um, or or Shengun is is 
right there in the mix as well. So that, that's a that's a tough one. I don't know if Blake, you got to take on that. Yeah, I mean, look, the will reference the EPM, and for anyone who doesn't know, that's kind of our preferred catch-all metric. You shouldn't use any catch-all metric as a like argument ender, but it can be a helpful guidepost, and it shows Scotty as the sixth most impactful player in basketball so far this year, and number one on the defensive end. And when you sort by the defense, it gets interesting really, really quickly because obviously Evan Mobley came in as certainly a a well-rounded prospect, but it was like instant defense, right? Like he is obviously going to be a defensive anchor and it's been hard to parse over his seasons. He's obviously very good, but because he plays so many minutes next to Jared Allen and the Cavs defense tends to drop off pretty significantly when Allen's not there, you know, how much is that? But this year, at least so far, um, Evan Mobley grades really well on that end. He's in the top 10, uh, again, with this list that Scotty's number one. And then Jalen Suggs is in that top 10 oh, as well, which is kind of wild, but like a, a yeah. part of, you know, the Orlando obviously had two lottery picks in this draft in Franz Wagner, who, you know, hasn't taken a step forward this year, but still really, really solid. And then Jalen Suggs, who along with a resurgent Jonathan Isaac is kind of anchoring the number one defense in basketball. Right. So I agree with you, Skeets, that I, I think Scotty would be at the top of this. And then you're getting into, well, Mobley's shown a ton defensively. Cade still obviously has the upside you thought about. And then some of these guys, yeah, Jalen Suggs, still a very good defender. Do you believe his offense will come around? Franz Wagner, the other side, do you believe he can be enough of a defender? Um, Alperin Shangun, uh, like, is this real? Is he super Ennis Cantor, or is he not going to be able to defend enough? Like there, there are some. Oh, come on, he's, he's easily better than Ennis. Yes, Cantor I know it's yeah. it's shade yes. shade for the sake of our argument, yeah, and just because I know you're a big Alperen Sengun guy, uh, Will. So, um, Skeets, I'm with you on number one. Beyond that, though, I I really do think our the rest of our discussion here is going to be eye of the beholder. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, listen, I I think I agree with Skeets. Like he's going to go number one for me. Um. It's the contributions across the board. It's the fact that he's up to 40% shooting from three on the season, taking over five per game. Um, it's the the fact that, you know, you see him lead the group a lot of nights. You know, he is the one who is dragging the Raptors along. Like, he is definitely the number one reason why the Raptors have won six of these games is because of efforts like what he had against San Antonio. Efforts like even yesterday. Like, again, low-key, like, whatever. It's just the Pistons. But he was the first guy to get the ball rolling for the team, and the rest of the mm-hmm. group followed. Um, Mobley was second in rookie of the year, uh, voting that year. It was very close between Scotty and Evan to the point where we ran some prep propaganda programming on this show to publicly pressure voters, um, into voting for Scotty. Anyway, um, so Evan Mobley's at 16 points per game, 10 rebounds, three assists, uh, about a steal, two blocks per game, still shooting 56% from the field. I realized his three point shooting is really cratered. He's down to 14% from three and he's basically doesn't even take threes anymore. Um, and then whatever, he gets the foul line a decent amount uh, and shoots 72% there. But yeah, Skeets, where are you at with, with Evan Mobley? It feels like everyone's waiting for this offensive leap to happen where he becomes like the the next Tim Duncan, the next KG. And, and, and I haven't seen it um, in, in at least three years. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I haven't seen it either. Uh, you see flashes maybe every once in a while, but not enough to like sustain over okay. an entire season. For him to be like, you don't look at him and think like that's the hub of an offense. But, you know, defensively, yes, plays his part on that end. Mm. He doesn't really hurt you all that much. You know, you point out those three-point numbers, sort of tough in today's game, especially him at the four, um, that he doesn't give you anything in terms of stretching the floor. Um, you know, maybe that's something he gets more comfortable adding to his game to his uh, as his career goes on. It's very possible. We've seen guys do that. Um, but, yeah, I don't think – it's weird. I don't think 
I guess I'm more in love with other guys sort of ahead of him mm-hmm. um, still because of potential or even what they've done. Like Shengun is the real like, yeah, is this for is this legit? You know, we're, yeah. we've seen this for months at a time, though. Now it feels the more I see him, like you said, you brought up the Lakers game. He was putting LeBron in the basket. Yeah, I mean, they were going to him down the stretch. He had two huge like hook shots inside uh, in a really entertaining uh, Lakers Rockets game last night. So it it feels legit to have him sort of in that top three or four if you're redoing this i mean you know giddy is still here there's still trey murphy the third everybody forgets about him because he's injured but he was really good in his two years i'm a big jalen johnson fan he's finally getting a chance here in atlanta i really like what i see from him so yeah like again looking at this draft i was like man there there's some some really good players uh even when you start getting into like just like pure scores like cam thomas and maybe jalen green and stuff like that so herb um, jones in there too yeah as Herb, a, yeah, as a exactly. trendy role guy. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but I think I go, it's the, the difficult part is Cade to me. Cause I know people are ready to give up on him. And I know people also think the injuries to him, he wasn't like coming in as a super athlete to begin with. And yeah. then he sort of zapped maybe even a little bit more because of the injuries. Um, but I still sort of believe, I just think he's on such a brutal team that it can sort of drag him down his appearance down if that makes sense like we've seen this with other players before mm-hmm. you know be it booker and fox and like it, it, it happens a lot and people are ready to write them off and you're like hold on once he gets a real team around him um they are probably special players but uh man i'm, I'm in love with shen good going really high in a redraft i'll admit like a top sort of three type of guy i agree with you on Cade. Uh, you know it's funny watching Cade last night and i'm watching i'm like you know he, he plays with the poise of a veteran and I was like, no, nah, he just plays like a veteran. He, he plays an old <laughs> man game for a guy who's like 22 years old, maybe. You know, but like, that's kind of how he operates. I agree with you. Like the skill set, when you watch him, like it definitely feels like it passes the eye test. That's one, it's like really weird when you look at his PR, for example, and his PR is like oh. 10. His, his PR is literally 10.4. And whatever, that's obviously a, a bad catch-all metric to, to evaluate him on. But it does kind of suggest to you that there is something that's missing in terms of the impact. I will have to say, though, like, as, as one of the young stars that, you know, you do expect these young stars to sort of lift a poor team around them. We see it all the time throughout, mm-hmm. you know, NBA history. It's like, you, you know, obviously lots of top talent gets drafted to terrible teams, but they eventually turn around that terrible team and give them that structure, give them that identity. I don't get that sense from Cade, though. And, and I know that the team around him was not good. Like, I'm not blaming yesterday on Kate. I'm not even blaming this 11-game losing streak on him. But eventually, he will have to get to that point where he does lift that group. Does he do that offensively? I think he probably has that potential. Um, but is where's that impact defensively, for example? Like, that's, the, that's why we have Scotty, I think, all three of us have a number one, is that he's giving you, like, the 29-6 on offense, shooting 40% from three. But he's also got 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks, and, and his, you know, overall defensive film was also quite good. So... Look, listen, you're going to be a star. You you have to you you, the, you have to fight the uphill battle. Yeah, and, and yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Skeets. No, I was just going to add. I mean, let's not forget wasn't the talk all summer long with the select team that Cade Cunningham was like yes. lighting everybody up left and right. Turns out that and, Team USA uh, team just wasn't that solid, you know. Well, yeah, fourth <laughs> place. Sorry about that, guys. Um, hey. but he was he was by all accounts like ready to take the next step. I think we, that's why expectations sort of like got cranked up here heading into the season. Like, wow, he's hanging with all these guys that are on team USA sort of humiliating them or at least uh, hanging. Um, And that hasn't been the case. And yeah, part of it is this, this 11 game losing streak and just, you're right. He plays a He plays a very different type of game than a guy like Scotty Barnes. Who's like really his, the motor is noticeable Mm -hmm. Uh, where Cade, it's like, it's a good way to describe him. He plays more like a vet though. Oddly enough, someone like Shea Gildas-Alexander sort of plays like that, you know, all completely in control, a little slower, so you can obviously still dominate. 
Yeah, the Kate thing, I mean, look, you, there's playing like a vet and then there's playing like a guy who just doesn't have the speed and the burst maybe necessarily. And, and again, he's recovering yeah. this Pistons team, whatever. It's still like three seasons now and last year was a, a tiny one. But if we compare this year so far to his rookie season, there's almost no statistical improvement. In fact, in some categories, he's gone the opposite direction. Um, we've got 90 games on him now where he's a pretty poor three-point shooter. And a lot of that is because it's pull-ups and stuff, but you're still hovering around 31% mm. for your career. Yeah. And shooting was supposed to be a skill that there wasn't really in question there. And then, Will, to your point about you know the team around him and stuff yeah young guys will raise the level of teams and we are, we're not saying Cade should have this Pistons team in the playoff conversation but this Pistons team going in the wrong direction losing 11 in a row again mm. being 2 and 12 not looking competitive you do want by year 3 even with injury concerns a guy to start impacting at least take them from abhorrently bad to just regular bad or competitive bad cool. um, and, and that's what you're not really uh, seeing with Kate so far. So, yeah, I think he slides a little bit for me. Um, Why does he get to the foul line either, by the way? He takes – this season he's at 20 shots per game, like field goal attempts per game. He's at 3.6 free throw attempts. For a guy that, that big who touches the paint all the yeah. time too, like it's part of it. Yeah, and I yeah. mean we could dig into the numbers or, or the tape and maybe it's a, a matter of he's trying to avoid contact in those situations rather than, you know, finish through contact and get the foul. Maybe it's a, a comfort level finishing thing. Um you know, it's it's hard to tell just kind of swooping in and seeing him once in a while. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's, he's you know, at the tippy top of this draft anymore because it's been three years. And even if you are still optimistic about the upside, which I am, and I said as much coming into the season, um, you know, the fact that it's year three and there are other guys who are ahead of him now and also have upside to tap into, I think, you know, that that's a relevant factor. So for me, the the second spot on this is, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a Shangun for me. It's okay. a, it's kind of a coin flip between Mobley and Franz. And I put okay, Mobley let's, there. Let's I, I'm with you guys in terms of the self-creation. The offense hasn't really grown. Um, he is scoring the same number of unassisted baskets now as he did as a rookie. So if you're trying to use that as a proxy for how much of your own offense are you creating, he hasn't really taken a step forward in terms of that. The assist rate's only up slightly. I still, though, even with the Jared Allen component, I still think the defensive upside is just so tremendous. Yeah, I hear that. And he'll at least be solid offensively. Um, and then, you know, Franz is just like, like the Magic are ahead of schedule, and it's not because of the offense. But we saw what he did in the World Cup this summer and just how high the upside is there. We saw late last year what it kind of looked like when he looks like a 20-point-a-game guy, and he's shown flashes of it this year as well. Um, I'd like to see more playmaking growth from him as they figure out the him and Paolo dynamic. Uh, but I really do think as the eighth pick, who was in the mix as high as five, um, there are probably some teams who had a top eight pick who who would you know have preferred Franz at this point. Yeah, Skeets, where are you at with Franz Wagner? Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. I like I back all of that, but just Blake said, um, he's not even shooting the ball well from distance and, you know, he's still a contributing positive player. Like he's like, I think he's under 30%. Last yeah. I checked 29. From three. Like that's, that's just not, we know he's a better shooter than that. That's going to tick up as the season goes on. And it's even started uh, slowly. His numbers are starting to rise here. I know Paolo and him sort of got off to a bad start statistically wise, but they were winning games. So you were like, wow, that's probably a good sign, you know? Once they really get it going, um, this could be a special team or a team on the rise, at least, and they appear to be uh, when you pair in the defense. So, yeah, Franz, like, again, that's we have the four names to me uh, and then and then the Cade question mark. But, man, like, Shengun, Franz, Mobley. It's after Barnes and then, I guess, Cade, of course. It's whatever order you're putting them in. Mm -hmm. I also wonder when we do this exercise, are we 
like redoing the 2021 draft? Are we taking into account no. the teams? No, I think I just them? I just kind of well, want to like check in on these guys, and it's kind of easy mm, to just draft it. Yeah. But like, I'm not really trying to say that like I don't know the Pistons should have taken Scotty first overall, and then this is a huge bust for them, like that they took Cade. Like, right. I mean, if you're doing a redraft, you got you got to put yourself in this. The move would have been well, trade down and get a boatload of assets, and then take Scotty. Like, um, right. but yeah, we're just kind of checking in on where these guys yeah, are at. Yeah. Now, and it's a, you know, this offseason will be a really relevant time to check in on that again because all these guys are going to be up for their rookie scale extensions yeah, yeah. in the in the summer. And you kind of got to need to, you kind of need to know which of these guys is a max guy mm-hmm. by the end of this season. So it's yeah. a pretty high leverage year for guys like a Cade, like a Jalen Suggs, who, you know, again, has been really, really good defensively, but still yeah. hasn't shot the ball yet. Is Orlando going to, you know, close to max him and Franz? Is there a crunch there? Like this is a, these are, this is a really important year. Like your third year is kind of your biggest year as a, as a rookie scale guy. Yeah. You know, we, we haven't really talked much about Suggs, who's obviously picked fifth um, in this draft. One thing watching Suggs, sometimes I watch him and I'm like, did they just essentially take an Alex Caruso clone at five? He, his game does remind me a lot of Caruso, like super physical, super aggressive uh, as a perimeter player, can guard up, um, very dis- disruptive, gets steals. And then he just plays with an overwhelming physicality. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe that's like, even just him being a football player, although he was like a quarterback, so yeah. not imagining quarterbacks are running around and tackling people, but like still, like that's when you watch his game. It's like he's like overwhelming aggression and pretty effective defensively. I like his energy. There's just not a lot of offensive upside to me watching him right now, and I don't think that's context dependent in Orlando. I think it's just he doesn't. It's like a skill issue for me. Yeah, that's when you get into like, ooh, is that a top five pick type of guy? Like you just said, yeah, it's like right. Okay, he's great defensively. We could probably find a lot of guys that can contribute on that end, play hard, obviously get into it on that end. But like, is he ever going to turn into a, a, you know, a lead sort of point guard or a guy that can facilitate and score and all that? I don't think so. And it's still so early with all these guys. Sure, and, sure. You know, you know, they maybe find their way to another team and suddenly they blossom into a different player. But for the most part, what you've seen is what you're going to get. And I think that's where he's going to struggle. And and then and and if that's the case, then he better well like be one of the mm. sort of uh, ball hounds in the league and an elite defender because that'll keep you know it'll keep him in the league for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, did we get proper room for Shengun? Yeah. Like, can you, can I mean, you, can you, you fan out over you've Shengun talked well? a lot about Shengun. I said last week that in terms of like watchability, he's jumped a ton for me. Yeah. Just like what he does and, and figuring out if he can be this kind of. I'll, I'll turn the joke from super canter into like a baby Sabonis kind of, right? Like, like they're running so much through him He's at more the elbows. Than Sabonis. I, I'm just saying yeah, it's, yeah, 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 it's his third season. Like let's, yeah. let's relax on this. Uh, no, I'm not relaxing. Man. Yeah. I love um, watching him, I'm there with him entertainment yeah. value wise. I think, you know, obviously they're a defense first team and, and it's important that he, they've been a really good defense with him playing huge minutes. Cause huge. I think that was a, that was a bigger question. Um, I guess Skeets, my question for you as someone who likes Shangun a lot is, you know, is is the upside here? Do you think a guy who can be, you know, if not even if not the top scorer, the top usage guy, the the guy who you're running most of your offense through, you know, long term? I think so. I mean, tough in today's game for that position mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, be like a Jokic like or a Sabonis like or whatever you want to say. Um, but he does seem to have the 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 skills, the tools mm-hmm. to do that. Um, and I, I like his demeanor. You know, he's got a bit of a nastiness to him. I love seeing, like, what's really cool with the Rockets this year is, you know, okay, so they get Van Vliet, they get Brooks, 
the plan was obviously get some you know some adults in the room mm-hmm. and try and like teach these guys uh, how to win some games uh, in this league and it's cool to see it like it's working and yeah. you see like these guys like Jalen Green and Shengun and like people that have been with the Rockets for the last couple of years like all they do is lose like how demoralizing that must be like these are these players are like the best players in the world wherever they're coming from usually winning whatever level they're at and then suddenly they can't win a game and they're sort of the laughing stock so like it's been cool to see like clips after games where like you see shengun leaving the floor and he's like happy yeah. like he's ecstatic like oh yeah this is what it's like uh to like be in these games and win some of these games um so i do believe in him look I, like there's no way i'm saying oh yeah he'll be the next the next jokic mm-hmm. but then I always stop myself and go, well, remember when Jokic first came in the league and it was like, oh, uh, Nurkic or Jokic? I mean, who are you backing? Who are you going with? Yeah. And like that was a debate sure. because you just, you know, you don't know and it takes a while. But I, he's 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 just more than anything, he's super fun to to watch. And I assume play with too, the way he's like, you know, does he's he'll give up the ball like a Jokic and stuff like that. It's not me, me, me. So that's got to be refreshing to play with, I would think. Yeah, and Jalen Green seems to be learning to play off of him better and better. I, I know he's not finishing particularly well at the rim right now, but the three-point percentage has gone up. He seems to be finding his spots. Uh, Jalen Green was obviously a player in this draft as well. It's funny, we're talking about this. It's like, well, Orlando at five maybe shouldn't have taken Suggs. They should have taken Franz Wagner. And, oh, the Rockets at two, maybe they shouldn't have taken Jalen Green. They should have taken Alperen Sengun. And yeah. uh, look at look at how it works out. Um, but what have you, I mean, you've obviously watched, watched a lot of Rockets for the, for the Fred, Dylan, Sengun components. What have you seen from Jalen Green? Um, numbers down a little bit from last year just because of the team context. But I'm liking him a little bit more. Are you as well? Yeah, I think more than anything, it's great that we're not hearing reports of an upset Jalen Green or he's like unhappy with his role. At least yet, you know, you never know. But um, winning heals all, right? Like it's like he's got it again. He must at least be enjoying this to some extent. Yes, the numbers are still there. Maybe his uh, usage is a little down and all that because of Fred and Dylan. But he is still playing. He's contributing. I think he's going to like, he seems like such a streaky player to me that like when he's on, this guy's on fire for a couple weeks and he'll be flirting with 40 point games. And then he falls back to earth and sort of like can, can have some bad shooting nights. I think that's just going to be the type of player he is his uh, entire career. But yeah, I've been impressed enough that he's like at least finding a bit of a role with a team that was completely overhauled from the coach to like, obviously the leaders on the floor. And he probably is embracing it because, hey, it is at least turning into some some wins that we haven't had a lot here in Houston since I've been there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the key with Jalen, and it was known at the time of the draft, too, it's like you're going to need to see growth in his secondary skills. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear he can score. Like, he's not like a takeover kind of score um, just yet. But I think in the future, I wouldn't be too surprised if he was able to grow in that direction. But it's can you guard and can you play make? And, yeah. you know, can you play within a team context, too? I think that's, you know, one, when he first came in the league, I was like, all right, is this like a Zach Levine kind of regen, right? But, like, the difference between a Zach Levine and, like, a, I don't know, let's say Paul George, for example. I mean, Paul, Paul George is a bit bigger, too, but Paul George has those secondary skills. In addition to being a takeover scorer, he's also a, a great defender and also, you know, is able to really play make. Now, he has a turnover issue, but that's a different story. But, like, still... You know, those are the secondary skills that you don't get from a guy like Zach, who's just primarily a really efficient, good scorer. Now, of course, Jalen's not even efficient yet, so he needs to get to that point as a scorer. But then where's the defense? Where's the playmaking to come out of it? I mean, he's young. I think the, the, the thing that Skeets is pointing out, too, is, is so key, right? Like, you, when you're developing players, like, you want to make sure that they're, like, getting their contributions and getting their minutes within a competitive 
and ultimately, hopefully, a winning context because that changes so much. It gives you so much clarity in terms of what you need to do. You go to the playoffs, you see how teams cover you. Now you know what you need to work on the next summer. If you just lose 30 games or if you lose like 50 games a year, no one ever prepares against you. No one really puts no. out the game plan against you. No one even takes you seriously. Then, like, what are you ultimately doing? Like, yeah, you probably end up gaining some skills just based on experience, but you don't even know what you're doing most of the time when the games actually matter. So, yeah, it's it's a tough way to develop, and it's why you know you see obviously the G League is not a perfect example, but often you look at the G League playoff bracket, and it's a lot of well-run NBA teams who are also prioritizing sure. winning at that level as a mm -hmm. as a piece of their development. Jalen knows that well. He he took the ignite to the playoffs. His one year there, 905 knocked him out. What are you going to do? But uh, yeah, like that's, uh, I, I think it's a, a big component of developing properly. And it's, you know, in retrospect and in reading, you know, your own Weitzman's book about the 76ers, it seemed like that was a, a misstep with the process is that they didn't have adults in the room to kind yeah. of, you know, it was too much losing for too long. And I think that's why the Rockets maybe went in here probably a year ahead of what people maybe would have expected with their cap space and things like that, because they don't want these guys losing 60 games too many years in a row, because then it's, it's hard to break the habit and you don't know what these guys are in a winning environment. So, um, you know, and, and Jalen's an important one. I, I mentioned the, the rookie scale contract extensions, you know, there's a huge difference between being a guy who projects as, you know, a number two, can he learn to be the Jamal Murray to Shangun's Jokic, right? They, obviously, those right. two guys aren't going to probably aren't going to reach that level. But can you figure that out? Because if you're Jordan Clarkson, you're looking at the mid-level exception, not uh, uh, even the mini max that a rookie scale guy gets. So it's a uh, it's going to be really fascinating to see how he develops over the course of the year and what he can pick up from you know a guy like Fred who's had to change his role around different players a lot. A guy like Dylan who you know is, was kind of on the opposite end of this of of you need to develop your primary skills enough that we can keep you on the floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It'd be really interesting to track his growth over the course of the year. And when they're here in the second half of the season, ask guys like Fred and Dylan what they're seeing in it. Yeah. Well, to, to, to wrap up this idea, at least. Uh, so for me, I, I have Scotty's one. I have Shangu moved into the second spot right now. It's TBD. You know, it's like a it's like an MVP ladder. You can move these guys up and down sometimes. But Shangu is definitely performing this season like the second best rookie or second best uh, you know draft pick from this, from this draft. Mobile, I'm going to give third. Uh, Kate, I'm going to get fourth, and then Franz is going to be fifth for me. Jalen Green just misses the cut at six. I, I still really do believe in Jalen Green. I just think that there's so many secondary skills that are not there for him. But um, it's a really talented. Like, I could see all yeah. six of those guys being an all-star at some point in their careers. And that's not even discussing Josh Giddey, Jalen Suggs. Jalen uh, Johnson. Jalen Johnson. Uh, Trey Jonathan Murphy III. Trey Murphy III. Yep. You know, so, yeah. Uh, right. Skeets, before we round off of this, just because you mentioned him, and, and I know he's a guy you're really high on, um, just how high do you think you would have Jalen Johnson climb? Because we, we've only seen it for like 12 games here. He wasn't that effective last year, but I don't know if anyone in the league has taken a bigger year-to-year -year jump so far than Jalen Johnson. Yeah, it's awesome. He is so fun to watch in transition, like mm. both ways, like going offensively. Obviously, you can give him the ball and he can finish uh, over top of people. And then defensively, he's a beast at chasing people down. He's a big athletic yes. guy. Nate McMillan always hated playing young guys, giving them any burn. So he was buried when Nate was there. Then Quinn takes over and it's like a figuring out process. Um, but it's been cool to see him like get an opportunity here for a Hawks team that's like, you know, they're not you know, you know, wowing anyone right now, but they're, they're okay. Um, and it's just cool that he's getting an opportunity. He, yeah, he would climb over quite a few guys. If he can continue to get the minutes and get the opportunity that he's been getting here this season. Um, yeah. You're starting to get into that 
you know, whatever, sixth, seventh, eighth sort of range. I think he's he deserves to be included when you actually watch him and see, oh, yeah, this guy is just a special athlete and he's uh, starting to put together. He's at least been around an NBA team for a little bit now uh, and it's getting an opportunity. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they they obviously got rid of John Collins finally. Uh, and, that, and that created yeah, some finally. opportunity. That created the yep. opportunity. And in, in some weird ways, he does remind me a little bit of John Collins. <laughs> but I think he's a better version of John Collins is what I'm trying to say. Like, he, it's actually a better athlete than John Collins, who infamously did go to the dunk contest and, and kick a paper mache plane, which is yeah, one of my favorite yeah. dunk moments of all time, by the way. He took out a plane. Yeah, he kicked the, he kicked the, yeah, he, he Draymonded at that point. Well, do you basically. remember he put on, he put on the, yeah, goggles. the goggles, he couldn't fit the hat on, like, oh, it was a mess, like, they really didn't oh. go through it well enough in uh, practice. Maybe he and used then... all his practice time making this paper mache plane, like, at the... yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, and then he unfortunately destroyed it. Uh, you know, that's an interesting uh, comparison I hadn't thought of. John Collins, actually, when he first came in a couple he was years good, was yeah. really good and, yeah. and sort of as as the trade rumors you know swirled more and more his like uh, his um production sort of tailed off and I, I can't say he's really lighting it up in utah right now in yeah. uh in that new role there but um that's yeah, an interesting comparison they are both really you know freakish athletes jalen johnson and him and and again another guy who like i'm talking about with these rookie scale extensions is like it swings pretty quickly if you're john collins as a young guy coming up and, mm. and this is what he could be. And then he signs a five-year, $125 million deal. And suddenly Atlanta's like, well, it would be nice to but, get off this cap hit yes. because he just over the course of that one or two seasons between the decision points just didn't grow enough. And I mean, they didn't get, they didn't help themselves with adding Capella to that. And they obviously have to make space for a Kong Wu and Johnson, but you see pretty quickly how fast potential turns to neutral asset. Yeah. If you don't judge a guy's next yeah. steps, right? And oh, absolutely. These young guys got to keep continuing improving too. That's the thing too. It's like that's the th like like a lot of these guys have the ability, have the the bodies, have the potential, but like some of the difference makers is just like who has the mindset to keep working, who wants to like keep making the next step happen for them. And that's what's been really <laughs> encouraging to see from Scotty this year, right? Okay, last year wasn't as exciting coming off a of rookie of the year, wasn't what he wanted. Well, then what how do you bounce back? And like he did bounce back and you see that, right? Like all my issues is like Franz kind of feels like he's plateauing in a way. You know, like, it's like, a, it's kind of the same kind of idea. Like, I know what you're good at, but it's like the same things that you're good at and the same things you struggle at. You know, like, Immobile is the exact same way. Offensively, he's the same guy. Just like catching lobs, rolling. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, a lot of, you know, decent bigs with decent hands and good athleticism are going to play really well beside Mitchell and, and Garland. Like, you know, but, like, are you going to expand on that front? Like, are you going to improve the three-point shot, for example? You know, and that, that's the thing with Scotty. Like, he actually is making a tangible jump. That's the same from, from Shangun as well. He's defending a lot better. Now it's allowing mm -hmm. him to get on the floor. Now he has a pick-and-roll partner with Fred. And all of a sudden, like, they're, like, right there within one possession with the Clippers and the Lakers overnight. So, but I'm I'm, I, I'm I just like this draft a lot. And uh, I, I want to see how it grows. Like, there's a couple more NBA topics you want to get to. Uh, yeah, I know we're we're running a little short on time here, but because we cut it off last segment, um, Skeets, I know you've been an absolute day one Shea Gilgis-Alexander guy. He is somehow taking a step even further forward after coming fifth in MVP voting last year. How much are you loving these Thunder? And, and I guess very, very early here, how much consideration would everyone have to give to Shea on, that, on an MVP ballot? I think it'd be hard to obviously keep him off of the top five again if we were calling it right here and you're doing your MVP ballot. Um, he's probably as high as three, um, you know, third or fourth. It's, you know, you got the two monsters still in Jokic and Embiid putting up unreal stats and obviously leading their teams to really good records. But yeah, OKC, 
I always love when a team like has some expectations. They flirted with the play in there last year, right? 500 sort of team. Shea goes to another level. They don't even have Chet. So now they add him and they have all these pieces that make a lot of sense around your superstars. And, you know, I, I say superstars. Shea really the superstar, but Chet, you can really see why he could be the, the big version. And it's like, oh, it's working. Like they're already at 10 wins uh, in the Western Conference. I Like they're, they're big three of Shea, Chet, and to me, J-Dub, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Jalen Williams on the wing. I love how they fit together. I, I like their, their I don't know, their chemistry so far in uh, in the early days with Chet in the mix. And then they have all these other guys that they're going to have to make decisions on, right, in terms of, like, paying and stuff like that or cashing them in uh, along with picks for another star. It's like that is a good um, spot to be in if you're uh, Presti and OKC, but... I, I'm with you, Blake. I can't believe I can't believe what Shea did last year to then continue through the summer at FIBA mm-hmm. to then go even another level here um in this season, you know, early days. It's the guy just gets to 30 points in his sleep. Yeah. It's I I don't even know how he does it. I watch these games, I'm like, oh, he's got 33 points, you know, he's got three steals. He's like, and he just completely fills the box score and it feels so effortless. Um, and then he can be an assassin when you need a bucket. Like he's like a super Sean Livingston at that at the mid-range <laughs> jumper, man. It's like it's unstoppable. Yeah. He's like too, he's too crafty with this handle, and he's obviously tall and lanky, and he feels really comfortable right now. I don't know what he's shooting on two points, but uh, it's got to be through the roof. It feels like every jumper's cash. Well, yeah. their whole team is almost shooting 50, 40, 90 right now as a team. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Shea's two per percentage, fifty-seven percent right now. I know there's a lot of layups in there, but damn, there's a lot of mid-range pull-ups. And there's a like, lot of mid-range jumpers. Man, I love the style of player, man. It doesn't feel like you can guard him at any level. And I love the fact that he actually doesn't need a three. Like, I remember, obviously, for a long time, we had DeRozan here. And DeMar would always say, like, I don't need a three, man. I'm so good. And honestly, DeMar was, like, 80% right about that until he got to the playoffs. And it was like, okay, now we have real issues with this. But for the most part, DeMar was right. Shea's just 100% right on this. Yeah, okay, I'll burn you on the three if I need to, but, like, you cannot guard me off the dribble. And that's the thing. Him driving to the basket, him jackknifing to the basket, man, it's perfect. Uh, Chet is there. Honestly, if I were them, I wouldn't trade for a star. I'd just ride it out with these three. Like, I, what, what, yeah. what is the need? I mean, I understand I have all these picks and, I, and they're burning a hole in my pocket. But for the most part, like, those are the three guys I want to build around. They have a good identity. They have a great style of play. Um, they picked up Isaiah Joe just off the street, basically. Like, why was he waived? Why? He would be the best shooter on the Raptors. But uh, that's a question I, for another day. Um, but and you're and you're right about them. Like they're not going to do anything. I don't mean they're going to do anything right like yeah, right yeah. now or at the trade deadline because this team, this team has to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They have to get in playoff series and see what their limitations are or like how far they can take this thing and then what where they can tinker or what they need uh, alongside those guys. Yeah. But right now, I mean, I just think like we talk about them offensively, Blake. They can put out an crazy mm-hmm. defensive lineup when yeah. you have now Wallace there. Shea is no slouch defensively. That yep. guy is huge, yep. uh, which is why he can get to line and take all those bumps. Obviously, Chet now. I think uh, J-Dub is an incredible defender. Like, it goes on and on and on. Like, the guys that they can just, like, they can put out an all-offensive line. They can put out an all-defensive line. They have a bunch of guys contributing. It feels like they could have an injury or two for a regular season. Plug somebody else in, and I don't see why they would miss a beat. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty special right now. Yeah. All right, well... Skates, we appreciate you. Um, you know, me more than almost anybody. But, you know, uh, thanks for joining us. You could catch Skeets, obviously, on no dunks. Um, you just don't know how to do the the sign-off from a, like, 
touching place. Hey, you 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 second guessed it as it was leaving your hand. No, I, I'm just saying, man. Like it, it's it's very surreal. Like honestly, like I, there were many many like ten years ago we were asked because Grady turned twenty today or yesterday or whatever. So we were asking the question like, what were you doing at twenty? What was I actually doing at twenty? I was going on the score website, right clicking, save as. Um, and, and downloading an MP3 file, physically uh, connecting a USB thing to my BlackBerry, <laughs> moving that file over, and then listening to my BlackBerry probably two or three times per episode. So that's why this is so touching for me. So wow. anyway, Skeets, well, I appreciate it. Well, well, thank you. Hey, and uh, can I say good luck, guys, in the uh, upcoming um, charity basketball game yes, that you guys are, right. are coaching and playing in? Yeah. yeah. yeah these these guys are toast, too. Skeets. Oh, yeah. Blake's, oh, yeah, Blake's you're coaching, coaching against, against them. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, well, I, I'm looking forward to Jerome carrying the team. I know he got a sick uh, mid-range jumpers. Speaking of Shea. Yeah, I was going to say. A man who's nothing like Shea, but <laughs> but does have a nice meeting. cool Canadians. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, there you go. All right, Skeets. <laughs> we'll say goodbye for take the care, third guys. time. Okay, we're going to take another break. Our last break. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. For the final segment, I'm joined by another two bloggers turned uh, podcasters that I strongly admire, Blake Murphy. And Alex, I want both of you guys to know that I've also right-clicked, save as, and moved files over onto my BlackBerry for you guys as well. All right? Yeah, like appreci- Probably some Fangrass yeah. pods that you were on. Damn. And then, of course, you with the original Stephen LeBron radio. If people don't know, check it out. Yeah, the Zach files, Lowe was on that one. The files are not available anymore. Um, they are on my hard drive. Anyways, we have to get to this segment, Will. Appreciate the heartfelt sentiments. Just tell me off air. Okay. Um, wow. So, um, earlier... This week or last week, um, you know, Jason Tatum found out that his nickname in China is translated in English to cute rabbit. And and it did remind me of a trend. And I think this comes up occasionally online of like, you know, Giannis's because of his like uh, last name, Atanta Kumpo. He's got a letter, a lot of letters in it. In China, he's known as like letter bro, um, which is like translate. Yeah. And like we always talk about nicknames here, um, you know, um, you know, in in, in, uh, North America. And the nicknames are really lacking. We've pulled up the basketball <laughs> reference pages. Yeah. But CP3. Yeah. yeah. Slim Reaper type, you know, yeah. Count of Monte Assistio. Um, that's pretty hard. Yeah. That's my favorite. It sounds but, like you're saying C3PO, but having like <laughs> a real difficult time saying it. C3PO hits a three to cut the lead to 43. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Chinese nicknames I feel like should be appreciated a bit more because, like, I mean, before I even play these clips, like, Will, you can explain this, um, you know, as a Chinese person. A lot of these names are derived from, like, using the Chinese language where it has, like, double meaning about the players, right? Yeah. uh, It's really easy to make a pun in Chinese. Yes. Uh, A lot of words. First off, um, at least in Mandarin, there's, like, four, like, the same word sound will have, like, four different sounds, uh, intonations of that sound. So Mm -hmm. it's really easy to, like, and, um, like, for example, the word mom uh, the word horse, the word swear at somebody mm-hmm. are all the same ma sound, right. but like different intonations. So it's really easy to make puns is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, like Shaquille O'Neal is an example. His nickname in um, in Chinese, in Mandarin, like translates to giant shark. And shark, sha uh, yu, you know, is, is like the first sound, the same sound as like shack. Yeah, like yeah. in a way, right? right? So it's kind of like the play on that. So anyways, I want to educate you guys. 
um, on some of these names. And we had our friend, friend of the program, uh, Jeremy Jang. <laughs> Did I say his last name right? No. Okay. Jeremy Jang, a.k.a. Jeremy Jung. Yeah, Jeremy Jung, a photographer, super talented photographer. He's, uh, you know, speaks very fluent Mandarin. So we had him record a few clips yesterday um, uh, on these nicknames. So we're going to play them and then we're going to go through them. So here's the first one. Nikola Yogis is pork belly. In Mandarin, it's Wuhuairo. So, <laughs> why are you laughing, man? Sorry, man. Sorry. So, Nikola Jokic. pork belly. Blake, Nikola Jokic's name in uh, in Mandarin translates to pork belly. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> sorry. Thoughts. I mean, it's it's cool. I don't know how to repeat it, but it's... Wuhuairo. Uh, Wuhuairo. Yeah. Come on, man. Um, this is like Nihao on Turbo. <laughs> yeah. It's a... Uh, I don't know. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, that one's I, okay. I I'm not gonna have an opinion on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, rate these. I'm gonna give these. A, I'm gonna these? give this an eight. Yeah. Yeah. That's... There's another Jokic one too, isn't there? Yeah. Is there? Like, he, yeah. It was like it's much less friendly. I think it was like the rough translation is like fat cola or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Fat Be- cola is because he drinks. He he said one time he drinks like a couple liters of Coke every day. Well, okay. that's when he was growing up. Yeah, he would. He yeah. said he would drink like a gallon. Yeah. So he day. became. Yeah. So he became fat cola. Okay. Here's the next one. Norman Powell is Paul Kobe. In Mandarin is Paul Kirby. Yeah, so Norm's nickname. Called him Kirby. So Norm's nickname was like basically taken off Kobe because like Kobe's super popular in um, in China and he wore number twenty four yeah. as well. So yeah. he picked up this nickname during the, the twenty nineteen playoff run. Paul um, Kirby. Yeah, there we go. Uh, here's the next one. Stephen Curry is elementary school student. In Mandarin, it's <laughs> 小学生. So elementary <laughs> school student? Because this is, okay, Steph actually has another nickname that we can't say on <laughs> yeah, air. Yeah, we can't say that. Because it's like got a swear word and yeah. stuff. But this other nickname is just because he's got like the baby face. Like he looks like a young kid. Yeah. So it does give just, off a little youthful vibe. Yeah, like the youthful, youthful vibe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I like That's that. Right. Uh, here's the next one. Lin Kapala is pancake mamba. In Mandarin, is chibing mamba. So again, okay. the mamba thing. So a mamba thing Too is very popular. Mambas, so Clint Capella is pancake mamba uh-huh. because in Chinese, scoring off an alley oop lob pass is often known as eating pancakes. Yeah, this one's gotta. Yo, that's get, wild. This one's yeah. gotta get a hold here, and I, I think the no dunks guys are actually the ones to do it. Like they they made like big rebounding games roast beef for a long time. Right. Yeah, yeah. They right. can do this. Alley-oops, like Pancake finishing an alley oop, pancakes. <laughs> I think we can do this. Yeah. There's so, no way that Clint Capella should be. In any way associated with a nickname, a mamba nickname, it doesn't matter what verb or well, they really do do a lot of mambas. Yeah, eh? so a, a bunch of other mambas here. Yeah. Steven Adams is known as box out mamba because okay, of what his does rebounding. mamba just mean? Like spe- specialist? Like is that what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just become oh, a specialist. Okay. Got you. Got you. Um, Andrew Wiggins, um, because people players thought what he wasn't. Mamba is he? No, play, mamba? Uh, uh, the fans didn't think he was like aggressive enough. He might have been like a disappointing first overall pick uh-huh, yeah. at the beginning of his career. So they called him a strength conserving mamba. Like he basically just shows up to work. So lazy mamba. Yeah, yeah, kind of, but not yeah. as mean. Okay. Um, and uh, Demarcus Cousins was known as Technical Mamba, just for the text that he would pick Yo, up. What does Mamba mean in Chinese, man? I gotta ask. Like, Yo, yeah. What's going on, um, Jeremy, man? Explain this. Yeah. Anyways, and then and then the best one is James Harden is is known as Porcelain 
Mamba, mm. because in Chinese, bumping porcelain is a euphemism for faking traffic accidents in order to fraudulently collect compensation. So uh, this is for his foul job. The flopping Mamba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah He's yeah. basically the flopping all Mamba. Right, all right. I like yeah. bumping porcelain. <laughs> so, that so. is not what I thought bumping porcelain was going to mean. <laughs> now you know. Um, and, and here's the last one. One more clip we have here. is Van Jordan. In Mandarin is Fan Dan. So Fred Fred <laughs> wore, uh, you know, Fred wears uh, War 23 here in Toronto, became a huge deal um, yeah. during the 2019 playoffs. You know, back in China, they only really knew Kawhi Leonard from the Raptors, but then Fred became kind of a cult hero mm. in the Milwaukee series in the finals. And because of all those combinations, he was known as Van Jordan over there. Because nice. Jordan was like uh, obviously a huge um, popular player over there as well uh, across uh, along with every other continent. Um, so have a few, um, you know, Chinese nicknames for um, for us. Okay, nice, nice. So nice. Will, go. you are big head angry kid. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that, that, I think that, that works, right? Yeah. Do you know how to say that in Mandarin or? Yeah. Chinese uh, Darko Ryakovic. <laughs> whoa, whoa, no way. Uh, can you say that in Mandarin? Big head angry kid? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, da, 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 that describes nothing what would about you your. Give me? Describes nothing about your game. What would you give you're, me? You're rebound, Mama. You're like you're like. Oh, okay. Like I'm, Ronde, I'm Rodman. Mama. I'm Rodman, Mama. No, no there's got to be. There's, what is yeah. like the, uh, the Mandarin word for like, getting free stuff all the time? Oh, oh yeah, freeloading, like Mama. Contra, oh. Mamba or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, like duty a, like, free store, Mamba. <laughs> Merch Mamba. <laughs> yeah, Merch Mamba. You know, uh, Merch Mamba's hard. Yeah, I like that. Derek like that. is... Uh, we should all be something Mamba. <laughs> Derek is Canadian Steve Aoki, because um, over there, they just think he's a DJ, because he does a bunch of drops. Um, JR is Riz Mamba. Mm. Orn is Quiet Mamba. Um, Lee Ben is Poutine Mamba. Yeah, that one's good. Joe Wolfon is Second Spectrum Mamba. Uh -huh. And Joe Cash is Friend of the Community. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's there's so. actually... There we that's, go. That's good, yeah. There we go. Wow. Yeah. That's great it. nicknames, man. Yeah. What you guys? Think? I think. I think. I think. Number one, I need to understand what the word "mamba" means in Chinese. <laughs> it's a. It's a snake. <laughs> uh, but no. Number two, I, I do like the creativity with it. These um, are great. These I are want, all, really I want good. more players to have nicknames. That's the thing. Like, yeah. It's just, it's just something cool that like makes them a little bit more distinct. And I don't, just don't understand why nicknames don't pop off as much here. Yeah. Like, why are nicknames in hockey just, like, somebody's name yeah, and then Smitty. E yeah, Smitty. At the end? Yeah. A Y yeah. Uh, or yeah. an E-R yeah. or S-Y at the end of every name. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know Or I mean? in my case, drop the Y because yeah. my last name already just has Murph. that. So that just Murph. Finish. Murph yeah. Dog. Murph Mamba. Yeah. Murph Dog. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm just in support of more creative Mambas uh, in, in the league. <laughs> That's yeah, all. Pancake Mamba is killing me. I'm sorry, man. I've <laughs> never thought Mamba. <laughs> you uh, wait until tomorrow we tee up this magic game, and I'm uh -oh. we'll have a, we'll a, have a Mamba, Mamba for every one of these guys. Yeah, okay, maybe that. that's an assignment bald for Bald Mamba for Jalen Suggs, who's oh, setting a league oh, record oh by God. he is oh, balding no. from three directions oh, at once. You'll notice Lord. tomorrow. This way, yeah. this way, and this way. Oh um, no! Yeah, so we'll we'll come up with one of those. Yeah, Scotty Barnes is a EPM Mamba. Yeah, yeah, well, honestly, this season he really is. Yeah, no, uh, I like that. Darko is pie mamba. <laughs> <laughs>
Cactus, who's the Cactus Club Mamba on this team? <laughs> it's probably not just one player. It's probably multiple. Yeah, we need to find that. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, you know, you sat down with Jesse Mermis today, so we're going to be able to play that interview. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, we've got uh, Eric Kareen joining us, assuming right. assuming the internet person from Rogers shows up to his, uh, you know, place on time. They always do. To fix his internet. They're always, always on time. And uh, that's it, man. Great show, guys. Yeah. That's All right. it. Situation. That does it for us today. <laughs> Been your host, Will Luke. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, uh, make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to J.E. Skeets, uh, Jeremy Jung, producer and co-host Alex Wong. Alex Huang. I By the say. way, that's Mainland Mamba. Oh, yeah, yeah of course. That, that goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, Blake Murphy, our board producer, Derek Brandeo, Jennifer Olnick, David Sis, Jared Manitad for helping behind the scenes. We'll be back to talk about the Raptors tomorrow. 吃饼慢吧